And welcome back to another episode of The Discussion Phase, a weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. I'm your host, John. I'm Brady. And I'm Matthew. And today we have a board game battle royale. Oh, that's right. 12 unsuspecting artists drop into the arena and only one will survive. Who will be crowned the board game art champion? We'll also be catching up on some recent plays and reviews. So as always, stay tuned. And buckle up. All right, so we want to take a minute. We are actually even more late than we normally are this week, and it's been a little bit of a wild week for everyone. True. Yeah. We were going to record on Sunday, but um, you know, I recently got in the mother load of recent board There's game just purchases. Too many games. Too many Absolutely. games. Not enough time to play them. But I brought over 1960 Making of a President. And this is a game you had actually first um, put on my radar, mentioning, you know, you obviously really enjoy that time frame, um, Kennedy assassinations and all of that. But we really enjoy some of the GMT type games, historical based games. I heard I, it was, I heard it was sort of in between Watergate and Twilight Struggle. Mm-hmm. So that was that kind of put it on yeah, my radar. I really love Twilight Struggle, John. I believe it's a good game. You enjoy it as well. You really love Watergate, but they do have some similarities. Twilight Struggle and Watergate. The way you have a card, you either play the cards for their events, which are historically based, or you use the card for like a base action point and do different things with it. Um, but Twilight Struggle, I know you had some different frustrations with it. There's a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's it's a big boy game. But 1960 making a present seems pre- of a present seems to be. A, did John did, did oh, Matthew I, I just it. insult yep. me? What? I absolutely heard it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. It's a game you can you can lose to yourself by playing, which, yeah. which well, wouldn't yeah, happen yeah. to Sorry. A, a big it's boy. A, it's a big boy game. Well, yeah. Brady, well, I remember you told us that you after we played. And I believe, I can't remember, I, I think I won quickly our first, and then we ran it back and played a second time, and then I won that. But then afterwards, you played some of the AI digitally. online, digitally. Yeah, I went I went to the lab, and I just lost. Over Turned out about as good as Terramestica in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we really enjoyed the, me- like the core system mechanics for both Twilight Struggle and Watergate for these cards, either using them for their events or for the um, the action points on them. And one thing that Twilight Struggle introduced were events that may be beneficial for your opponent if you play the card. Yeah. So in Twilight Struggle, if I play a card and I use its action points, even though I didn't use it for the event, if the event specifically related to my opponent, my opponent got to do that event yeah. regardless. And that's the biggest difference with 1960, I think, that is for the better. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. But I, it, I, does, it mitigates... So it still has... A similar thing where I can play something for the action points, but yeah. you get the event. But it has this just one little tidbit where if I really don't want you to have that event, I can spend my momentum tokens, which are just mm-hmm. sort of like special tokens, yeah. to prevent you from taking that. Yeah. And that that difference is just huge. It's just yeah. huge. Because you can also, you, you're not guaranteed, like say Brady, if I when you played, you played as Kennedy, I played as Nixon. If you played a card um for the action points but it was a nixon event i'm not guaranteed to get it i have to actually spend a momentum marker to then activate it and so one thing you do in the game is try to get these momentum markers to activate or prevent events so i think that was one big plus but you're still at the end of the day you know the game has five rounds a debate two more rounds and then um election phase and then essentially you're vying for electoral college votes on the 50 states of america 
Um, you do have some starting positions that are historically based. I don't know if there's random setup in the game or not, but your historical starting points are there. Um, and essentially, whoever's cube, either red or blue, regardless of the number, are on any states at the end of the game, you claim those electoral college votes. Um, and so there's. And I do like how at the end of the game the scoring is very simple. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. just take your tokens. Each state has their uh, electoral college vote representation. Uh, you take those and you add them up. Um, and even though they are, well, I'm trying to think if they're slightly different. Obviously, electoral college votes changed over time based on population, but by proportion, you know, Texas, California, New York, Pennsylvania. Ohio, yeah. Illinois, There's those are big, big ones. big ones, Florida, those are still big ones. And so it still feels very modern as far as like what's going on when you're checking up in the election. Um, but it's really interesting in how on how you you interact with the board because in Twilight yeah. Struggle, there's like three different tiers of how you remove someone's tokens and add yours on depending on how much risk mitigation you want to have. Um, but this one, you can play a card for, let's say, four campaign points. There's four different regions of the United States. Um, you can spend one campaign point to take your your candidate from one region to another. But whenever you're in the region, let's say the Midwest, um, you can spend any uh, campaign point to put your influence token or cubes on any state. Uh, if it's empty, you just place yours. But if it's an opponent, there's never two different cubes on any state. You simply remove your opponent's pieces until there's none. And then you would add yours if you had enough action yeah. points. It's very clean, the, the very events, simple. The events basically like just sort of like break those basic rules. Mm -hmm. um, so they kind of can allow you to just place cubes on there without like without doing like the direct action points. So you can uh -huh. just erase your opponent's um, like sway in the in a state and just put your sway in a state. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And there's some extra ancillary stuff you can do. There's, you can buy for influence over the media, which essentially helps you kind of bypass. Cause essentially, if a candidate is ever on a state or they are what they called carrying a state because they have four or more influence on it, it yeah. yeah. You have to do kind of like these checks, support mm -hmm. checks, which there's a little bit of bag building element where you're placing your cubes in a bag for, and you're pulling it out to see if you, uh, succeed, but you can skip that if you own influence over the over the media market, which is actually really helpful at the end of the game for me. You can also get endorsements, which essentially means it's kind of like a tiebreaker. Um, essentially, if a state had no influence tokens on it, because we've been going back and forth and it's kind of at zero middle line, whoever has the endorsement token for that region would essentially kind of break the tie and go towards that candidate. There's also yeah. an issue track of economy, civil rights, and the war. And if you control uh, the issues, funny, but, there's back in the sixties, there's only um, three. There's main. only three issues. Huh? Yeah, a war, economy, if, and so on. If it was if it was today, that that track would just be like it'd be the entire three. game. Yeah, but it did. Even though it wasn't as obviously in Twilight Struggle, the big thing is replayability gives you more insight on strategy because you know what cards come out that interact with positioning on the board. There is still some of that, not to the extent of Twilight Struggle, but there is still some of that. Because, uh, like, there's an event that says if someone is leading in the civil rights um, uh, issue, they'll, they're going to lose some support in the South. But you wouldn't know that unless you played the game yeah. before. And it's not a, yeah, you wouldn't know it. And it's not a tier deck. I think in, yeah. even in Twilight Struggle, it's a tier deck. Yeah, yeah but it's also, it's much, the, the decks are huge. And we yeah. almost went through the entire deck in our play. Yeah. of the game but there's little things like that but it's not like wow the entire game was lost because it was a little back and forth but it does add that you replay the game it's like oh now we got to be careful about with the civil rights supporting on that issue 
how much support do I have in the South? Yep. Do they have it? Or you, you know, or you have to keep in the back of your mind, what if my opponent has that card, but I'm I'm in the civil rights issue? But that's where the momentum tokens to where if you really, and how that works essentially at the very beginning of my turn, even before I know whether or not Brady is going to want to take my event action or not, I have to determine if I'm spending two momentum tokens to block him from taking that action, which is huge because then that's two different events that I can't trigger, but that event may be really crippling to me. Yeah. And so I think it gives that, that's one thing we talk about in games, like would take that or people can just do things to you. It, it isn't them doing that as much as you don't have a way of responding back or you can't have a way of kind of counteracting yeah. that kind of take that. And yeah, so this is, so after playing this, this is kind of my take on it. I don't know that I would ever play Twilight Struggle again just because it is like a step Similar up. Similar enough, but it's... Yeah, it's a step up in it's terms... It's stream, very streamlined, but it does... You don't feel like you're at a, in an epic battle. It's a, it's much more of a focused... Yeah, it's a little more focused. Um, and I think the, the ability to mi uh, mitigate, like, the... At least somewhat the randomness of the deck um, with being able to prevent the other person from yep. just getting the event is like a huge change in my opinion. However, I don't feel like it's as strategic as uh, Watergate. Watergate still feels um, like because uh, the big distinction in Watergate is that there's two separate decks and they're much mm -hmm. smaller. Um, so the ability to anticipate what your opponent is going to do um, I think makes it a lot more strategic um, where this one, you know, you're, you're bringing up like the, the old South card with having influence in, um, in the civil, civil rights, rights movement. Yeah. Um, like you would never be able to really anticipate that. And if you were, well, you like could, you, you like you can, because it's not a tiered deck, you, you like that could, that card could come out in the first round or the very last round. And mm -hmm. they, like that is a huge span of time for you yeah. to be worrying about one card. Because essentially and how, there's a lot of cards like Yeah, because how a round works is that each player draws six cards and you do five actions with those. But I mean, it, even in, in Watergate, you know, you don't always have a huge hand. And so some cards may be later on your deck. There's definitely, like, I, I would say that this game, for my opinion, is more strategic than Watergate just because there is the opportunity for longer term planning. And yes, with yours talking about with like the old South card, you don't know when in the game, but you know it has a chance of coming out because we almost we essentially went through the entire deck, and so I think the deck is is a size enough to where you're going to go through that entire deck, and so you know there yeah, but it's is essentially like it's essentially random, and well, it's ran I guess it's random in the sense of who gets the card, but that's why you have to well, be managing your it, momentum markers. Well, it's random in who gets it and also when they get it. So like you you cannot really ever plan around it like yeah i think they're, that, they're either going to get it or they're not at the right time or not and there's really nothing you can do about it well, that, well i but i think you can do and i think that's why it stresses the importance of trying to buy for momentum because if no, you because, have enough momentum markers no no you can't you can't prevent them from taking the the event they can play the oh, event. they can still play the event but yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. if you could i guess you could cancel <laughs> someone else if you had it you could cancel someone else but i mean yeah, you yeah. can't you can't in, in any game, block every single action that someone can do for the entire game. Yeah, yeah. So that it, one was does, a more particularly strong one. There are there are a lot of cards that are. Yeah, I wouldn't say particularly strong. There's a lot of them where it's like, if this, then you get a lot of extra things. Yeah, condition. And those, so they it just feels a little like a shootout. The balance I feel like 
is that there are a lot of cards like that. So if you hit me with one, I'm most likely going to hit you with one. Yeah. But I guess my point is that they are a little specific. So that example is whoever's leading in the civil rights movement loses five influence in the South um, or whatever. And so it's like, there's just not really a way for me to like prepare for that sort of attack. Yeah. I guess the only thing you could do is, is realize that the civil rights, because one thing we can do is influence which issue is a priority. And so maybe the civil rights issue, even though it's horrible to say, but historically maybe is true is something that you're not wanting to put as much attention onto versus the economy or war because of the heat you could get from it. So, I mean, yeah, there's a historical they, context they, for that. They all, three of them, it's it's war or defense, yeah, economy and civil rights. And all three of them have sort of like take that cards or even benefits card. It'll be like, if you lead in defense gain, you know, a lot of the defense ones, a lot of the defense ones gave you buffs. And then I thought felt like the civil rights one gave you some negatives also too, but you could see plays you're doing. Cause one, there's one card that was like, if you're leading in Alaska or Hawaii, you can gain some influence in some other parts of yeah. the country. And so, so you I saw just, me at one point in the game. It's like, Matthew, why are you going all the way out into Hawaii in the middle of our campaign? Yeah. Yeah. So and there's, you can kind of like sniff out some things, you know, like if he's, because Alaska and Hawaii are um, hard to get to. They're hard to get to, but they're also not worth getting to unless you have something up your sleeve or whatever. Um, and that's and where that's, the replays come into. Yeah. Into so we, we will. I am willing to play this again. I right off the bat think uh, Watergate's the superior game, but I am willing to play this. This also felt like, and you know, this has to do with real actual life too. But it felt more like we were just battling over like New York Tech, like four of them really mattered, and the other ones were just we were kind of like scooping up if we could get them. But like if you know, New York has like forty five or something, and California Iowa, had thirty three. Iowa has like three. I can't remember exactly. Don't at me. Um, and so it's like Iowa, like literally, just does not matter um, unless you can do something for where you can get like ten of those at once then and that's part of the strategy you know if someone is just trying to turtle up really hard in a couple of those big value ones then do you spend your actions to try to make up the difference by spreading out a little influence but over a lot of the less valuable ones um john i know you haven't played it but i don't know if you've had a chance to look at i know you played the other games that we've been mentioning a twilight struggle and and watergate but uh what are your initial thoughts or interest in it it definitely sounds interesting in a game i would want to play uh and i totally think it is uh, your fault or not getting the podcast recorded early if you're bringing a game with Mr. Kennedy to uh, to Brady's house. So Yeah, Brady couldn't say no. He can't yeah. say no to John Kennedy. Yeah. But um, no, it sounds really interesting. Seems like there's a lot of uh, back and forth. It was about a two-hour game, maybe a smidge over. Uh, but that was our first time playing, learning it. I think it's a solid 90-minute game. So who um, was elected president? I think that's what everyone I won know. with 300 was and I. some change. Oh, uh, yeah. Nixon. There you go. Nixon was. Yeah. Brady went all the way out west as Kennedy thought he was going to be fancy and go get California, but he left New York undefended. And, and why sw- is that, Matthew? Because, because you have to I pay. I didn't understand the rules. That's why it's a learning game. <laughs> it was to, a learning game. Because you have to spend action points to travel across the country. Yeah. And the, so, yeah, you have to spend. And I, so I thought you could just spend one action point to move anywhere. No, you have to spend multiple action points to move like, a, you know, each region. So it's almost whatever. a whole action just getting from yeah. like the Northeast to out west. There were also, there are also some, the debate is a huge um, point in the game. And okay. I, 
to be fair, I was like, this is a learning game. I don't fully understand the debate. And like, I would, I, How, yeah, yeah, I would rather sp- like just play the game than like spend 30 minutes explaining exactly what's going to happen. But that also resulted in me and getting, getting absolutely destroyed in the, in the debate. Yeah, yeah man. Started stammering. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm really excited for more plays of it. But yeah, like I said, if, if you've been, if you enjoy that kind of mechanic, the card play to where you, on your action, you play a card. Uh, either for the event or for the action points to distribute amongst smaller actions. Uh, if you enjoy Watergate or maybe wanting what's what's something more I can get out of that, then I think 1960 is interesting. And this is second edition kind of reprinting, so it's got no, some no, updated. No, no. This is not what is something more I can get out of that. It's what is a game that is just as good, maybe a little more complex, but not as strategic. Then there you go. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Or if you found Twilight Struggle to be a little much, or maybe you're just trying to, you know what, I'm just trying to get my my or you just struggle. read 112263 <laughs> for the second time. For the second time. Cried. It, you think, yeah, you cried in the shower. You think this is the greatest book I've ever read. And you're like, where can I get more John yeah. F. Kennedy? Because we recently started a book club. <laughs> we did. I um, finished yeah. the first chapter of least. our first book. Of our yeah. first book. And John always says he never has enough time. But at the same time, he also says he's finished gluing together 40 Lord of the Rings miniatures. Yeah, there's a difference between being able to glue together miniatures while you're on a work call working it's, from home yeah. than reading a book while being on a call. Well, we don't read these books. This we, is an audio book like club. An, listening to them. Yeah, we have a, like an opposite problem, at least right now, where like you're doing like a mental job and able to work with your hands. Yep. I'm doing a hands job. <laughs> <laughs> that's staying in there. No, 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 that's staying yeah. in there. You're doing a, a job working, with your sorry, hands. I, am, I work in a restaurant <laughs> yep. working with my hands. Uh, and so I'm able to... A lot of times, listen to an audio. Yeah, and I'm talking with patients all day, and so I I can't listen You're to. You're doing audio. both. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, we, yeah, I kind of started a book club. I invited, I gave the boys all ac- access pass to my Audible account. Why not so, want to say that out loud? Bezos is listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, You're they, gonna get a strike. I, I did get in trouble by Bezos um, with Audible. Uh, but anyways, we started the book Dark Matter. It's a short little book about. Um, interdimensional travel and all we were inspired kind of by dr strange and the multiverse of madness we want a little bit more multiverse and so we read that and so we're waiting for john to finish it before sharing our thoughts but hey listen if y'all were interested in in nerdy sci-fi book club audio book club with us we may start Be a warned, channel though, on, the, on the discord it's a little risque spicier than i thought it was well, at first I, I thought you had us reading like a romance novel or something yeah I read I read a lot of books and there's like a lot of romance in, in most books. Yeah. And so I didn't think it was that bad, but you guys Dan were like, Brown listen, Dan Brown focuses on saving America. I've always finding the just Holy Grail. Kept reading young adult fiction. So yeah. I never we never really of, got past uh, the I mean Twilight. if you read like like Hunger Games, there's a lot of like I mean, there's like love triangle in it. Is there? That's true. Yeah. But we are a board game podcast. That's right. A board game podcast yeah. that I've not been on in quite a while. Yeah, so we're yes. glad to have you back. I uh, wanted to recap some of the uh, the things I've been doing while I've been away. Um, go for I it. have gotten 96 plays of Race for the Galaxy in uh, this oh. year. Do we need to, uh, over the last two months or so, do we need to do an intervention for you? No, I'm, we still play a decent amount of games. I just haven't been able to get on the podcast. But a couple of games we played recently that I wanted to highlight, I did make a trip out to. Nashville, so I got to play some games I might not normally have, which uh, one of which would be Bloodborne, the board game. What were your thoughts on that? Pretty fun, uh, kind of like a dungeon crawly esque. You're kind of moving around. It's an interesting mechanic where um, there's like a time track, and so whenever you die, you respawn. 
but it advances that track. So you want to avoid dying, but if yeah. you die, which you most likely will, because the monsters are pretty mean. Um, yeah, because I've heard people rave over this game, but we, then I've also had people just like absolutely trash. I played, because the, it, I played the card game. Yeah, we yeah. played the first the kind of introductory mission, um, and we did pretty well. I don't know if we actually finished it. It was late at night when we started. Yeah. But a game we did play, which I thoroughly enjoyed, was uh, the Black Rose Wars. So this is a, a game big where, game, right? um, not kind of your your mages in um, the Black Rose, uh, you know, temple or whatever it's called, um, the lodge. And you're effectively running around blowing stuff up. You get to it has a really typical cool mage stuff deck building mechanic where there's seven or eight different schools of magic, and then at the start of each turn you get to draw four cards from any of those that you want, and then keep two, and then you put out your spells. It was a pretty fun kind of programming mechanic. Almost you had to set spells in different orders, and then on your turn you could take two actions and activate different things. And um, it was a really fun. You're kind of running around, um, really Ameritrash, just blowing things yeah. up, destroying rooms, getting points, and um, it, it was a good time, but, um, we've gotten some good solid euros played recently too. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a game of Kanban. I don't know if you talked about that one yet. We played some Kanban, uh, last week that was, um, we got a great game of three player root with the hirelings, which I thought was pretty good. It was a pretty close one. Yeah. The hirelings definitely seemed a lot more interesting in a lower player count because they have a demoted side and then a promoted side, I yeah. guess. Although I think some of the interactions seem to be a little bit funky, um, specifically this one hireling that when you move through the clearing, if you had the most abandoned warriors, if you had them, when you move through that clearing, you got to add one of your warriors to the destination clearing. So I was playing the moles. I got them for like, I think three turns and the moles can stack so many actions that I Do effectively a lot of moves. moved through them four times, got an additional four warriors out there and it helped me um, win, but the def- they definitely add more to the game, right? It would be a more, um, one-sided game yeah. if we didn't have those hirelings. And we didn't realize um, how that, that, we just weren't thinking about triggering it like that until yeah. you got it. So that would also affect, you know, when you use them and you get finished with them because you can only have them so many turns, you get to choose who yeah. you give them to. And so knowing how factions can interact yeah. with the hirelings is just kind of a, a new layer of a yeah. strategy for it. Because when, when you gave them to me, I was at least 10 points behind you and Jacob. But the thing is, Jacob was playing the badgers and they don't move a whole lot. So if you gave them to him, he would have been able to hunker down a little bit more. um, And it might've been really beneficial for him, but I was able to abuse that more and more, which you didn't necessarily know I was going to be able to come back. I didn't even think about um, it and swing that. So real quick before you, you know, you mentioned your weekend trip uh, with your father-in-law. He recently has, he has a game, I guess it's on pre-order now. Uh, You want to give him a shout out? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was actually the first official pre-order. He texted me. I was really happy about that. But um, yeah, my father-in-law works at Van Ryder Games and he is also a professional uh, nature photographer, right? That was his job before he kind of got into the board gaming hobby and still is. Um, But they're coming out with a game. It's called Keepers. You can find it on the the Van Ryder Games. This isn't sponsored or anything like that. It's just a a shout out. But We shout out good um, games. Absolutely. So it's um, very similar to uh, an apples to apples style game where everyone submits a card. But instead of one person choosing um, what the winner is, um, everybody gets to vote. So um, all the cards are his artwork, which is really cool, or his photos. Um, All of nature and a lot of them are really cool and abstract. Some are just beautiful, you know, pictures in general. Um, but one player says like a non noun word. Um, so it might be rushing or calm or something like that. And then everyone submits a card that they either feel matches that word or is the opposite of that word. And then people have a little dial that they put out a, a vote for, 
um, either for or against. Oh, and whoever it sounds like a combination of Dixit and Wavelength. I like that. Yeah, and whoever gets the most votes, both for and against. So there's kind of a strategy you can try to play what it is or the opposite of it. Yeah. Um, gets to keep the card, and then at the end of the game, as long as it doesn't turn into a True Colors. Brady brought out this game once. He said, "Guys, I've had this really Talk cool new game, True Colors," and we just within five seconds just started gaming, gaming it to it death. Right. No, um, it was uh, it was great because yeah, all the cards get submitted and shuffled up, and since it is. Uh, all pictures it's hard to you know sometimes in apples to apples you can think like oh of course this person would play this card right or you kind of guess who it is but in this game it's really hard to to tell whose card is who um so ultimately you're really yeah. just going off of of your guesses there and so. you and your wife have your names as playtesters officially we in do the we book. are officially in the rule book so yeah well didn't actually i think and you showed me too that in like the in the examples for like how to play mm -hmm. your wife it's, has her name yep it's all of uh, all of his children yeah so, so really, that's really cool. really cool so if you want to uh support it uh it's called keepers and you can pre-order on the the van rider games and don't, it doesn't uh, come with like an for the pre-orders like an first, official medal the medallion first, i don't know how many they have but the first so many who uh pre-order get a special medal first player token so oh, it's the I mean, curator is the player who's declaring the uh the words so um, I think it's pretty fun. Um, it's a cool little theme. The artwork is absolutely beautiful, um, which kind of fits into our theme for today's episode. So, yeah. But also, I didn't know Brady always gets on to me for one more thing. Yeah, yeah. If, oh. anybody, if anybody has seen Jackie Chan Adventures, this was like a one show of my thing. childhood. Their character Uncle um, in Jackie Chan Adventures is he just says, called Uncle? Yeah, he's just Uncle. Uh, always says one more thing, Jackie, and then. I will yeah, also venture uh, Columbo, if anyone's seen that fantastic old, I think it's a 70s mm -hmm. uh, show where his his famous line was, one more question. He's kind of one more question. Um, but John, and I think you want to talk about this. You, you have been, and Brady, I've been a little worried for you. You have been dipping your toes uh, into the miniature war gaming scene. Oh, game, I now have Games Workshop bookmarked on my home PC. So uh, what did you recently get into? So yeah, so a couple months ago, I think about a month, month and a half ago, I bought like a starter set for Warhammer, mainly because I wanted to paint the minis, uh, but I also was interested in the game. Uh, jumped into that, painted some some Necrons and some Space Marines, had a good time with that. It's a slippery slope. Um, yeah. But in looking into the game, I don't think I'll ever get into, you know, the big 2,000-point games of, of 40K. I don't think my wallet can take it. But while perusing multiple times on the Games Workshop website, I noticed they, I kept seeing this game, Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, and I'm like, you know, if there's one thing I love, it's Lord of the Rings. I was talking Absolutely. to someone the other day, and I was I was homeschooled, for those of you who didn't know, um, and I grew up during the middle of the Lord of the Rings craze. So I watched the movies. I've read the books. On my top 50, there's the Lord of the Rings trading card game. Have you listened to the audio books? That was discontinued in 2001 that my brothers and I still played up through college. Still got all my stuff for that. I mean, like everything. Lord of the Rings, uh, Top Trumps. I don't know if you remember that game. Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings Risk, Lord of the Rings Menow, all of it. So then I see there's this miniatures game made by Games Workshop, who I now know has these awesome miniatures, and I've learned sprues are not that scary, Brady. I'm going to let scary. you know. They sprues are scary. Sprues are not scary. I've it's got glue. Some, For those I've who don't know, what are, what are sprues? So uh, some games will come with miniatures you know, fully assembled right out of the box, but a sprue is typically like a sheet of plastic that the components of a miniature are printed on. And I'm finding a lot of the Lord of the Rings ones are actually already fully completed on the sprues, so you just got to clip them off. Yeah. Um, but some of and them you, you do yeah, have so to you put clip together them with like little Don't you have like to base them as well? Things. A lot of them um, just stick right into the base. Like the Lord of the Rings yeah. one have a little uh, line of plastic that you just put in. But um, I got the starter set for um, the Lord of the Rings Pelennor Middle Field? Earth uh, battle strategy game, which is the Battle of Pelennor Field. So I've yeah. got a Rohan army with some, uh, you know, undead people as well as some orcs and the witch king on a flying 
Nazgul. Yeah, the Nazgul and, on the um, and so, so I say, John, if there is any one IP that can be a, that can tempt me into rolling and chucking dice, it would be a Lord of the Rings IP. Yeah. Um, and you got me so hyped on that. And you know, we've talked about this for a while, but into 3D printing that I went full send the other night. Send it. Yeah, and we are officially 3D printers, boys. What you? How many 3D objects have you printed, Matthew? In my mind, an infinite, an infinite amount. amount. An yeah. infinite Do amount. you have like whole tablescapes like in your mind that oh, you see? I see it. Listen, I have all the all files right. for just, root miniatures. So just to be clear, Matthew has not pre- 3D printed a single thing yet. So we're we are excited about this. I'm excited about this, but I think so, it's going to be a lot more. Like when I was interested in 3D printing, I realized what it was kind a of, lot more work. So than you, well, you think didn't it spend is. the amount of money that uh, Matthew did. It has so. come a long way. So since I like specific, six months ago. First off, yes. the, so you got a <laughs> resin 3D printer, which is typically viewed as uh, faster and more efficient than the ones that do like the line by line. Yeah, like those busts that you bought off of Etsy. Those are resin. Yeah, printer made. Yeah, I know the difference. So the (sighs) not a scrub. One one thing that people complain about with resin though is that typically you have to like wash and cure it, which either means you're using alcohol or other things like that, and then you're setting it in the sun, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but Matthew also got the wash and uh, cure Cure machine, so you effectively put the model on uh, in a bucket. It can stay on the plate, and you can on the plate, and you put in a bucket, and it'll wash it for you, and then you set it on a little rotating. But this has to be like a ventilated area. Nope, I got water washable resin. Yep. That doesn't have any of those fumes. I don't use any IPA with the propyl, yeah, propyl alcohol. alcohol yeah. But um, all right, so then the last thing, if you if you are able to do this, I'll be a true believer. All right, so <laughs> most of these type printers have to have um, like supports yep. and whatnot. Yep. Does this it, have to have supports? Thank you for asking, Brady, because I spent two <gasps> or three hours last night instead of going to sleep for work. I was on my computer tinkering with this. Uh, there is so there's a proprietary file system that um, AnyCubic. I got the AnyCubic Mono Photon Mono X 6K. So this this how this resin pr- glasses. So yeah. So how pr- how th- resin 3D printers work? Just kind of a layman's kind of term um, is that imagine an LCD type screen. Um, like, and, a, like a TV like, screen. Well, almost like your iPhone, yeah. like a screen like your iPhone. Um, and then it allows UV light to come through certain pixels, and that is what hardens it in different shapes. Yeah. But the higher... And that's done in layers. It's yep. done in layers, yep. and you, you have to determine exposure time for the UV light. But Layer height. at 6K, it, it, it increases the fidelity of the detail for it. And so, you know, on the... the um, so with your the, root miniatures, they look... You can see the layers very well. What do you mean? Like on your, like if, if it's lower resolution, you can see the layers. Correct. Like if you look at the mini, you can well, see think the, of like the, the edges the, would be sharper. Yeah. Not. Think of like the yeah. traditional like polymer filaments and stuff where, you know, it's the, they're building it from the ground up. Even this layman's terms. Sorry. It's, it's like the traditional when you think of like a plastic that's getting melted and then building yeah. little layers. That's a traditional 3D printer. The resin is kind of soaking it in the resin material and it hardens and cures. Um, but there's, there's a program, uh, there's one called Chidu Box, but there's one called Lightjee. It's free. You can take any STL, which is kind of a, a 3D print file from my mini factory, from Thingiverse. Uh, there's a lot of them free. Oh, yeah. There's even Patreons for like five, 10 bucks a month. Yep. You get all kinds of files for them. Um, but you literally, I download it, click the download file, it automatically loads into uh, Lightjee Box, the entire model. Some of them call them auto-supported. Uh, Lightsheet Box has a system to where it will auto-orientate your figure inside the parameter, so you tell it what 3D printer you have. So I put my parameters in, it created the box size. 
Um, it will auto orientate it for you. You can scale it. Do I want it 150% of original size? Do I want it 200%? So I look, I made this huge, like 10 inch tall Thanos bust that I could have made. Um, but then it will also put auto supports because it could have been, but okay. It so auto, auto supports bottom line and, to all this, it still needs to be supported. Yeah, but yes, the program but it, will the program do, will create them. Yeah, for that's you. old news. That is all. They've been doing that forever. Yeah, but but you're aren't still going to have to like cut all that crap off. You're going to have to sand it down. It's a lot of work. So there's different. So there's they different break, settings. Break off pretty simply. Yeah. So there's um, different settings you can do yeah, on they it. They break off, but you got to sand them. You down. don't actually. So uh, depending on how this you do the settings, um, yeah. and how you also need to make sure that you take them off pre cure because once you cure it, it hardens. And so I've watched a lot of different techniques on how they they do the points to where most of them just take off very very easily um and for very minimal kind of sanding or stuff like that especially right. for smaller miniatures i'll send you some links brady but it's it's exciting because we can do like bigger like literally um like medieval middle earth type buildings and stuff and terrain we can do miniatures and stuff in it. we can do upgrades for board games in it we can literally kind of do whatever you want yeah. we may even start an etsy store you never know <laughs> pay for the uh the 3d printer after all right yeah. so Here's speaking of Little minis. I think the last thing we're going to talk about, or at least that I want to talk about, is we did some 2v2 unmatched oh, the other day. Solid. Yeah, I got in Battle uh, Battle Legends uh, one Volume 1 and 2, as well as the Beowulf and Red Riding. And Red I'll Riding. say, this is just a, if you wanted like the barest bones miniatures game ever, Yeah, this is a solid way That's to great. go. Card-based. Yeah, yeah. Card no based. dice. No dice. Um but the line of sight, the like quote unquote line of sight is like Super really simple. cool. Yeah. It's, a, they're basically just like zones yep. um, that you, you match can be colors. in. Yeah. Match yeah. colors, colors matching. Um, and yeah, it, it was really fun. 2v2 unmatched it. You guys got super hyped about dice throne a while back. And to me, unmatched is just like far superior. Well, we got S tiered. We got tier listed. No. Matthew Jonathan played the objectively best character in the game twice. And twice. What? Well, yes. no, Bruce he ran Bruce into. Lee is not a, a top tier character. Well, so um, we like pulled this I lost out twice. We're, is what we Brady's pulled this out. Say. I've played like maybe once before. Jacob has never played. We're like, no, Jacob and I played a couple times. Before. We're like, oh, this character looks cool, and Matthew's like, well, according to the tier list, that character is complete garbage. And then so he picks the best character in the game, which is a ranged character, and runs straight at. Achilles and Medusa and just gets absolutely wrecked in the yeah. first game. It was amazing. And so I had to realize that we play for fun. Yeah. But there's some really cool characters. I and I showed Brady that um they have some a T Rex. The T Rex. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. So the T I looked at the T Rex because this was gonna be I was thinking this was gonna be amazing. I was like, T Rex in this game is gonna be amazing. So, you know, they try to do like somewhat themed decks with them, like for example, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, you can kind of switch personas halfway. So, uh, uh, I think is it is the bad guy Hyde or Jack? I can't remember. Anyways, the bat the batter guy is a little stronger um, and everything. So they have like a lot of different like they try to really. Moon Knight has character. three character states. Yep. Yeah, Moon Knight was pretty cool. He's super thematic. At the end of your turn, you switch to a new state, and you have yeah. ways to manipulate it. And some cards will benefit you if you're in a different one. It's cool. So the T-Rex starts with a lot of health, which 27. is like 27, which is like the ten, like scene. 10 more than like the average character has. Um, but it like, it's like thing is that it, it does damage, but it damages itself, which just doesn't make sense. I think it has some healing type stuff in it. 
I know but it, like what is it, is a T Rex bandaging its arm or something? I don't know. Yeah. It's a dinosaur, bro. It like I I, it, I get why it should have a lot of health, health but I I feel like they just well I think they on, might just be saying like it's disregarding its surroundings, right? So it's like just barreling down an alleyway maybe it's hitting itself on a building while it's chasing down someone i don't know well it's kind of like, like what was the that balance it's mechanism kind of like that berserker class in gloomhaven you had to take damage to output Brady didn't damage. understand that either so yeah, yeah clearly but the, the t-rex takes up two two spaces but it's a melee character that also has a two space range yeah mm-hmm. that's pretty cool and so and like that is Run so away. i feel like that captures the essence of it but yeah it was like it was like most of the cards were like you you damage but you also damage yourself and i was like i don't i don't really that, that that's is why he didn't do well with throw. that yeah. but you also get dr ian malcolm with uh uh mr goldblum um yeah. did you pay 10 extra dollars for that they man? were out of stock so normally all of the unmatched kind of uh, sidekicks is just a little disc which i think is actually really it works smart really well. because you yep. can focus on the hero and then the sidekicks don't get in the way of visuals but they have a jeff goldblum um, laying down with laying down abs, with his out. abs out, chest out, shirt unbuttoned uh, from the, like the scene when he's in the vehicle after being bandaged up. It was kind of like a special promotion, but at least when I looked on it, they were out of stock of it. You like can 10 bucks for, for $50 in a couple weeks. Or I can print my own now. Uh, 3D, 3D print it. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. We also got in Babylonia. Um, you, just, you haven't played this one before, John. Um, but John Bray, won. John won from uh, the W. This is Big Brother Blue. Right here. Yeah, Big Brother to Blue Lagoon. And Brady, you've been warming up on Babylonia more and more. I really enjoy it because you you can literally, for the most part, kind of go anywhere you want. Sometimes in Blue Lagoon, you're kind of restricted to kind of where you started, which is part of the strategy and what makes it different. Yeah. But I also like the fact that, oh, if I need to go on the other side of this board, I can. Now, yeah. it, may, it, may, it may not be the best move, but I have that strategic freedom to go stuff. And yeah. I love that they kind of sandbox nature. They are a little more nature. different than I, I think I initially um, – initially thought i was initially thought like oh blue lagoon is just the superior game um but no they're they're a good bit different and uh i like them both yeah and you mentioned too there's like a little bit of a meta of like what's valuable when you play because early on john just went to a bunch of the ziggurats which is something you get points on based on how the number of and it like scores exponentially and so if you're kind of the only one doing that it can like ramp up real fast yeah and so how do you balance each other and i think it has a little that balancing Mm -hmm. each other um but brady we uh, we are uh we have a very important task today to get to. We are yeah. crowning uh, the golden what do you what do you call it? What golden brush award? I don't know if that's what for we're going to call games. it yeah, for board game artist. And so this is one you've been kind of working in the lab on. So to kind of tell us on what we're going to be doing today. Yeah. So first, we're going to look at a few board games that have had second editions, and then we're just going to deem which one is is the better edition. So we, I specifically wanted um, three people on the podcast for this so that we, we would not have a tie. Okay. Um, and so we've been talking a lot about art, who, how, who prefers what, and all of that stuff. That is just like the constant argument in this group. And so, yeah, we're just going to go through. And unfortunately, this is going to be a little bit of a visual uh, podcast, but we're going we're gonna to do our best to describe the game's um, they're fairly common enough, so you'll kind of know what the additions are. Um, but we'll start off with a, a softball. So this is uh, Great Western Trail versus Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. So, And we're, we're going to go, mm, some of them may, we may kind of look at the components, but we'll just look at like playability, invitativity from 
the cover. Mm-hmm. Better good, artwork. Good word. Yeah, invitativity. All right, so we got. I got it pulled I'm, up here on the computer. I'm all about second is, edition. Um, so, John, why don't you do you? Whoops, do you want to describe what this? Um, I really don't want to describe the first edition, man. Matthew, it's, you want to describe the first edition? Yeah. So the the first edition of um, Great Western Trail, uh, designed by Andreas Reach, Andreas Andreas Reach. Um, it's very muted. It's very kind of two dimensional with it. It's gray very scale. a lot of grayscale. It's very on. old school as far as Euro. Like there's nothing about the game that you would infer outside of this is a very sterile type Euro game. Just this from the guy, cover art. This guy, I believe this is the engineer, looks like he got cut off halfway in between being transmuted into a chimpanzee. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> Poor so man. he's not quite human, not quite primate. Yeah. And so if we're going based off box art alone the, the second edition uh is Way much more, more vibrant it's inviting it has depth it has a rich color palette um so if humans we're look, look like humans and yeah it. it looks like a game that you would be you know excited to show someone um to play it you know um, this kind of reminds me of this one right here kind of reminds me of uh yellowstone almost looks like yeah. yellowstone yeah. the board game yeah and i think a lot of a lot of publishers are realizing that you know these games you know they may be on a shelf at a store Right, they have yeah. to have presence. They have to pop. They have to stand out. They have to be unique. Um, so I think they encapsul- encapsulate that completely. I was like, man, if I just get one thing from the second edition, I just want the box. Yeah. Um, now, if we're talking about the actual game board, I think it's a big step back on the art from the game board. Um, even the first time I played it, it was all the um, graphic design and user interface type stuff, uh, symbology and iconography blended in almost too much. Um, whereas in the first game, almost to a fault, it it was very it All right, John out. and I are both shaking our heads over here. Well, we think you're okay. crazy. So I think, it looks a lot more vibrant. It looks I, a lot I, more lived in and colorful. I think, yeah, I think the biggest difference, in, and I've only played the second edition digitally, which did use the new art, but um, I've seen it in person. Um, I think the second edition is brighter. I think the most frustrating part of playing it is probably just that things are different than a game you know and love and yes, have different played colors. they changed the color the thing, for different the workers. color for the workers yeah. i don't know why they had to change that i i can get they ch- wanted to change the art right be more inclusive there but the colors that they changed that frustrated me but oh, i yeah. still think they made more vibrant but like colors minorly so than, and like any new person of the game would never notice correct it. I, yeah. I think it's a little bit more inviting um so i would go second edition artwork send it Second edition artwork. All right, there we go. Softball, second edition. You can throw your old editions away. Next one, we will do... This is Summoner Wars. Are you guys familiar at all with Summoner Wars? Uh, I have heard about it. This is a... uh, I believe David knows a little bit about this. This is a a, card-driven miniatures game. Um, It's pretty expansive. Um, They just released a new edition not that long ago. And they have like the ultimate... Edition or there was, like all the yeah, there was like an ultimate edition that had a lot of them, but yeah, like the the older edition has a ridiculous amount of content to mm-hmm. it. So there's I remember watching like, a show up do, and sit down review where they so ranted on it. So I've out. heard great things about the person who created this game. Um, actually, I was talking to to Byron and then my brother in law Ryan. Um, Ryan has actually played this game with the creator of Summoner Wars, and I think he owned Plathead Games uh, at a convention when he was a kid, and uh, he beat him. He said so. I think okay. that's pretty sweet. Yep. So the newer edition, I'll just go over that one. It it, it they took much more of a looks like a mobile game artwork. Yes. Does. Mobile game artwork is like the perfect way 
like and I've been seeing. I feel like I've like, seen that a lot. I think in it looks better recently. though. It's brighter colors. Um, yeah. So mobile game artwork, something like maybe Clash of Clans or like yeah. Kingdom Built, some generic fantasy thing. I just. But I don't think it reaches. Side note: I cannot stand those advertisements on YouTube <laughs> that are like live action. Yes. Have oh you my seen gosh, the new? Yes. One? Have Rise you seen the new ones or whatever it is? So have there's well. There's one that's like they have one from Ebony. Middle Earth. There's Ebony with the puzzle thing where you're like the towers. You, well, there's the towers. I think it's the same game, um, but you like pull out these little sliders and the person's trying to get the treasure and there's like a monster. Um, but there's so this is a complete side note. But there's a new one now where this guy comes on and talks about how frustrating it is that this is like a different game when you actually like get in the game. Yeah, and he's like, "Have you guys seen this game?" And it's just so frustrating that this is a fake game, but I found the real game. And it he's like dubbed over. Yeah. Like he's not speaking you can tell he's not speaking English. And it's like it's like they tried to make it hilariously fake, but it's not. Like they're trying yeah. to be serious. Yeah. Oh, YouTube gosh, ads so. are the worst. We all yeah. agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, my only thing about the new artwork is that Well, hang on. It, describe describe the old let's so new it, artworks. More it's very old artwork looks like a 1990s magic card. Yeah, but I think that's magic also... Magic card, yeah, I agree with the magic card. It's a more grim dark, but I think that it's also um, more the, audience, the audience that is going to be into a game called Summoner's War. Yes. Um, the, the new artwork makes it seem, like I said, like a mobile-type game um, to where you're pre- this isn't a preteens are going to be playing this. Yes, I mean, Summoner's Wars is a darker game. I like this because I totally agree with Matthew here. This is about target audience, and the like. the new one is like preteens let's get them and this is this is a game called summoner wars like you're like th- this is targeting have you played like, this game brady i have actually okay never thank you very I much can't make i had comment. the first edition yeah um so this is like i feel like the the people who would play magic the gathering would play summoner wars mm-hmm. have you seen playing. some magic cards they look more like the things on the left now you know the newer editions so. they yeah, they're kind of all over the place um but yeah, so I, I agree. I think this one it does look a little more, maybe even like neck beardy type thing. Sure. But I think it. I think they do it like decently well. It looks. It looks a lot more hardcore. Matthew, you got anything? Nope. That that's it. I, I would just artwork. say the whereas in Great Western Troll, I think the artwork enhanced it for target audience. I think this game is almost a little deceiving. Yeah. Um, so we're going old artwork. Old artwork. New artwork. Listen, I yep. I am right, I am old, old, I'm old on. artwork. If it pulls out the uh, if it's going for a specific vibe or theme, like a game I love, Ethnos, and the artwork, and then that game is like nineteen or like nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, like old school, yep. like Lord of the Rings type artwork. But that is the vibe and the essence that it goes with. Um, I know it's not on this list, Brady, because uh, sadly there is not a second edition All right. um, for Ethnos. Next one's going to be another bit of a hot hot take. We have. This one's been done three times at this point. Yeah. Um, but this is Dune, and we're going to take the 2019 edition versus the new, what we're going to call the movie edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a cover that's got the movie characters on it. Um, and the, the classic. Yeah, yeah. And it's got like movie characters more or less on the cards. And yeah. Whatnot. So this, so this wh- is the uh, game of, of conquest and diplomacy, um, Dune. And you guys haven't played this, have you? I have. You have? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I got to play it not too long ago. So there, these are two different... This is almost like a second stripped-down version it of is. Dune. And so more than just artwork it is the change... Same, it, but it's, I think it's fair enough to say it is a second edition. It is a second edition, yeah. but uh, this is like geared toward 
because the big complaint with the standard Dune is just the playtime and the complexity. Like, yeah. no one is playing Dune unless they're already a hardcore Herbert fan and they're into the world of Dune and they want the the old school nostalgic artwork. Yeah. So, um, how are you guys feeling? So, again, the one of the versions looks like essentially a movie poster. Well, and the, the other one has how would you describe one, bro? How would you describe this? Is this the sandworm at night? Cartoony. No, well, I mean that's that's standard. That's that's traditional that, artwork. That from matches the, book. the the art of the book, and I am yeah. very much all in on the OG well, Dune in this this scenario. So I don't mind. Um, is it, this a match of the artwork it, on the book? Because there's it's this. Very, this it's was the, the original style. version. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, that matches the original drawn. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it also it, it, it ensues that kind of 1950s sci-fi feel. Yeah. Yes. as well. Um, but the thing is that it's a new target audience they have with the reprint, and I actually. I like IP from like films and movies that are brought over to board games. And I like a kind of a hybrid. I don't like just, just stills stills. Like you see that in like the Lord of the Rings living card game or whatnot. Trading card, trading, game. trading card yeah, game. No, stills. It's also in, which is an um, amazing game. It's so Harry, Harry Potter, the new, the Hogwarts battle. Or is it Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. <laughs> Hogwarts battle. Yeah, yeah, I think. And they just have like, Still. Actual stills and it looks yeah. terrible. But that, yeah. But this kind of a hybrid between half artist rendition and half of the still image to where it it's very cohesive. The thing with still images is that they don't blend. This is the artwork of that is cohesive. It goes, it meshes well together. Yeah. Um, I guess you can you, say, that. Uh, yeah, you kind of. I just, you, you just look at that. Really... And I see Zendaya. I see, you know, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin. I, yeah, I, I mean, you it, you got to look really closely to see that. I see Moon Knight over there. Stills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm more old school on this one, just because I think and I in the artwork on the, the actual components of the game, I don't know how much it changes, but but they even do that um, in Dune Imperium on the not on the yeah, box, but on the, the card art. Dune Imperium ones are more hand drawn, I think, than what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah on, it's a little more softer on this, um, but still, even I would probably prefer this to, uh, you know, the the movie stills because I, with a universe like this, when I'm I read the book first, right, so that's a little bit different. So you kind of create what the characters look like in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with a game like this, it's a little easier, even though there are pictures of the characters too, I guess so that argument might not, not stand. I just kind of prefer the old, older theme in this one, which is ironic. Cause I was all about all new, right. new, Matthew, new. are you going, so John's going old, old, art. Sc- old school 2019. Are you going, I think it, for something that is more unique. And I think that could be like an art piece, like some people in their board game shelves, they put games standing up as kind of like centerpieces yes, artwork. I think the standard Dune, um, does a much better job of standing out and being unique. I mean, it looks like a book cover, and so it grabs you in and it stands out. Um, so you're going old school on this? I, I'm going to go old school on this one. All right. I'm also going to go old school. Let's go. I really don't like stills. Even in, like, Terraforming Mars, it gets me. The pets, puppy dog thing I, kills I me. think it, it couldn't be better. I want, it to be, <laughs> I want it to be uniform. All right. All right, next one. Libertalia. Yeah, we talked about this a little before, and this is going to – had a hot, hot, uh, hot take on this for a lot of people doing reviews is that the artwork of this just takes them out of the world of pirate faring men and women, or I think yeah, there's even animals. Some, some witches is kind it of is yeah. So this is this is, again. It's a second edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Libertalia, and honestly, I want to say this might be a little bit of a spoiler alert for my answer, but I want to say the artwork for Libertalia is literally better than the game. Hmm. I, I, it took me a long time to get there, but I ended up selling my copy 
because the artwork is is better than the game. Like that art, I don't know who that artist is. Maybe we'll get to that later. But they deserved a better game than Libertalia. I think yeah. it's it's a it's perfectly fine. It it adds a little bit. It's different than standard kind of entry to midweight game. It adds some strategy, trying to read your opponents. So what are they going to play? What am I going to play? It adds some different things. I don't think it's a game that you're going to be clamoring to get off the shelf, but I think it's it's solid. But for new players, it is a little complicated to to teach. It can be. I mean, you you probably taught this to a lot more new players. So I'll I'll describe the older artwork. Um, this is like a very realistic looking, um, grimy pirate uh, themed game. Um, and that's kind of how the artwork goes. It is absolutely beautiful. You can definitely tell it's artwork, but it looks very real. And Realistic. it looks like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like very yeah. fanciful. Oh, it's 100% inspired. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. yeah. It looks very Pirates of the Caribbean. First from the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the it, new one, Matthew, do you, or John, do you want, one of you want to take that one? The new one is very... Uh, car- Jamie Steggs. Yeah, Jamie Stegmeyer. Um it, it's it's very cartoony. Uh, it's very bright colors. Whimsical would be a word I would use, right? It's, it uses a lot of kind of uh, humanized animals in the sense that a lot of the cards are yeah. a lizard or a bird or something, but it's like built like a human being. So. It also has a big slim down of the color palette. And what I mean by that is that all the colors are off shades of one another for a large part. It kind of over, it creates almost a too cohesive of an artwork to where a lot of things just don't stand out. Yeah. Like there's like, six different shades of blue and everything. Yeah. It, it's very game. bright. It's very uh, eccentric. You know, the, the pieces themselves are bright colors. And um, I, I think they're tried to be inviting and kind of over the top with some of the, the yeah, graphics. Very but, much of the style of a, a pendulum yeah. uh, with their artwork. Um, but it almost, almost looks too clean aesthetically yeah. for its own good. Yeah, I got the chance to play, uh, you know, the new Libertalia. I had never played the old one. And I think the, Old art definitely fits the theme of the game better and would make you feel more like a pirate than this you know, one. If we're we're talking game. about movies, the new one kind of reminds me. Have you ever seen the movie Stardust? No, I don't think I have. Really, you guys haven't seen Stardust? It's a movie, Matthew hasn't Stardust seen. Stardust is amazing. Anyways, it has like, um, it's like it's like it's a fantastic movie. We need to watch it together. But um, it has these like flying ships. There's these people. There's these like pirates that sort of like harness lightning as yeah. energy or whatever. And so on the cover of this, there's like there's flying ships. Um, so that's kind of what it, what it oh, reminds me of. This has of. Daredevil in it with Charlie Cox. Yes. Okay. All right. It literally looks like right a now. 10-year-old girl movie. Um, it's a little bit <laughs> better than that. That's why Brady likes it. It's a little bit better than that. It does, it's got, it's, it is pretty heavy on the romance, but um, it's fantastic. Do not watch it without me. All right. We'll get some wine. We'll get some cheese. Cheese. Tissues. Well, why don't tissues. we just watch The Witcher instead? Because oh. it, that's a show that's bad, and this is a good movie. A lot of people, this Pirates is like a fly under the radar movie. Anyways, all right, so what do you guys go on final answer on Libertalia? Old art. Old art. Old art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, this is, what well, I, I don't think it's, if you've never played the base game, I don't think the artwork is necessarily bad, um, but knowing how the actions interact, it just right. doesn't do well with the, the next the one. Theme. This is Sheriff of Nottingham, which was a very popular game very. around the 2015 ish era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of lost. I don't hear many people Still talking about it, it much, but it apparently has got enough steam to where I got a second edition from Simon, no less. So, yeah. Matthew, why don't you uh, take one of these? Yep. And so, with the original Sheriff of Nottingham, it, it is again in very, very much the vein of Libertalia. 
Um, and I think uh, well, what we're wait, wait, wait. that it it's very it's a lot more cartoony than what we're talking. Well, about. I'm saying it, the the color palette um, that grimy. it has is it's a lot more grimy. It's a lot okay. more grounded. It's not as it's not going for a super clean aesthetic. It's at least with the initial like box cover. Now the card art um, is a little is much more clean, um, but it's still very realistic with it. Um, and I think we're seeing the same kind of contrast. And I think it may be just a a testament of times changing and buyers' interests changing. Like we love, we talk about you know tool all the time for having very clean, yeah. a lot of whites, art aesthetics, and palette, uh, palette, color palettes. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of these second editions uh, for the board game because Sheriff Nottingham, kind of the same vein of Libertalia um, second edition, is is much kind of cleaned up. The color palette is is a lot more cohesive, but can almost be cohesive in that there's not a lot of unique things that stand out um in it it's a lot in the second edition is a lot i feel like a lot more whimsical if you, if you would say i would say they're both fairly whimsical um yeah to me this um this was like a total regression um i remember looking at the second edition and going sheriff of nottingham needs a second edition and then i looked at it and i was like oh my gosh that cover is terrifying this guy looks like he could be in a horror movie. Yep. And uh, and then the cards just look bad. Like they look like again, like they were they a were, lot of they, just white background on. Yeah, them. like white background. It looks like they got clip art from Microsoft Word or something. And yeah, I was like, what in the world? And this is coming from Simon that like just they usually just do better. You should do this. a pretty good job. I don't yeah. know. Simon's been in hot water lately. So um, <gasps> the, like the card art in. And Sheriff of Nottingham, clicking on links over here. The card art in Sheriff of Nottingham is just, it feels like the cards are all, they're all like full and vibrant and there's backgrounds to them. So it's not just an apple. It's a sack of apples that is spilled over and like, I don't know, it just Mm -hmm. looks amazing. Um, So what are you going? Old? 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 old. All right. Well, well, Brady's transitioning. We should give a shout out to Oathsworn and the, uh, the publishers over there. With uh, what they did. did, you guys already talk about that? You talked about the Simon disaster, but uh, I can't remember if we talked about the oh, homies. Oathsworns Oth- Oth- uh, had to ask for some additional money for their backers, but they did it in what I would say is probably the best way you could if you're a publisher. They broke out all their costs. They broke out, you know, how they budgeted, what they've used the money for, and said, you know, we're forking up two hundred thousand dollars of our own money if each of you pay. You know, it was like seven, fourteen, and eighteen dollars a piece, depending on your pledge level. We can get there. We're also offering you ten percent off all our Kickstarters for life, just tied to your email. Like, they, they put a four K camera. They put a four K two and a half hour video of the boat that's carrying the games over. It was very yeah. peaceful, which to I watched to as I was about two minutes of, and I was yeah. like, I don't know what it is. I think someone else commented on that video that it's like weirdly terrifying to watch a ship just out in the middle of the ocean. There's no one to save you. Yeah. Nothing around. There's like, could you imagine working on that ship? Just like, I mean, there's gotta be, you know, stuff under, underneath. Oh yeah. I think the coolest part of their, their kind of posts where they talked about is that they originally recorded for, uh, shipping prices and all that cost for distribution. That was going to be close to around $2 million. Uh, but they said, this is going to be literally impossible. So they literally had for months, had their guys boots on the ground, going to all kinds of local distributors and logistic companies, literally, you know, yeah. going door to door in their countries and regions and got the cost down to under a million dollars. And, and it just shows you transparency matters so much to us as consumers in this industry too, right? If you go and look at 
CMOD's comments on after they released the update, regardless if shipping costs did change that much to justify, uh, you know, the increases that people saw in the pledge manager, the comments on Oathsworn were like, Hey, take my money. Can you add an option for me to give more money to you all? Right. Things yeah. like that was literally just like, yeah, no big deal. Obviously if you phrase it right, if you tell people why not everyone's going to be happy, right? There are some people complaining, but at the end of the day, taking care of the customers, they're going to take care of you. So it's yeah. just a, a good comparison um, yeah. between the two of them. I think I was really dreading this. Cause I was like, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to it was coming. It. Yeah. But I, I, I was seriously expecting to get hit with like another $50 of shipping, but I ended up having to pay $14. Yeah. yeah. Then they didn't make you sign a legally 14, binding document to track $14 is, I was like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. I remember uh, I asked the, you how much money you spent on it all, and you were like, John, that money's vapor by now. It doesn't <laughs> exist it doesn't anymore. Exist. It's but a vapor. It happened three years ago. Yeah. Who knows Due to inflation, is. now you can probably make some money off the game when you get it yeah. in. Um, okay. Well, so that was like our little, our, our palate cleanser right there just to wet our appetites what we're going to do now is a pub meeple style list um where we've taken notable artists Mm -hmm. um in the board game community in the board game industry um and these are artists where you can they have like a very um specific style almost um and so you you kind of can look at a board game and go oh that is even if you don't know the artist's name you go, this looks familiar. Is, you know, is this like, this is the, by the same guy who did this other game. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, you had that moment when we played Paris. Yeah. Um, You're like, man, why does this artwork look so familiar? And it was, boom, the guy who did Great Western Trail, which is one of your favorite games. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to take a moment to, we'll just kind of explain... Um, we in this PubMeeble list, we have just chosen games that are representative of the artist. So that, yep. that's what's going to pop up on the screen. Um, we'll just go over the artist, maybe what some of their uh, more notable games are each, and then we're going to take a vote on them. Yeah. So yep. I think each no of us have breakers. each of us have four um, artists that we will speak of. So when the game comes up, if it's one of the ones we've noted, we'll yep. give um, the commentary. So right. we have. So first? up first here is. Grand Austria Hotel, which is Matthew. The good Sir Clemens Franz. Franz. Clemens Franz. Franz. This is Treasure Island by artwork by Vincent Dutrait. Now so I hear you, want- you say his name a lot. Because I think it's it's is it one of the it's one of your favorites. Uh, uh, isn't it? I've heard Mike it's Felicia one of my favorites. I also li- I also hear it all of the time on Man versus Meeple. They all they like love Vincent Dutrade artwork. I feel like they like specifically mention him every yeah. time. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll start us off here. Um, Grand Austria Hotel is is the one that's represented here. But Clemens Franz, um, I absolutely adore. Um, now I, I adore it because it almost has a nostalgic. Because, you know, with board games, we were just mentioning, you know, second edition versus first edition. Uh, I feel like Clemens Franz, his new artwork has that first edition feel to it in all the right ways. It has that classic. It has that, you know, take you back to when you first got into gaming or when you were younger type feel. Um, And he has very Euro, very oh quintessential Euro. I mean, he has uh, just a huge repertoire of everything from Agricola to Le Havre to... um, uh, most recently with Boone Lake, Expedition to New Dell, a couple of Alexander Fister games, Orleans, Caverna, Isle of Skye, uh, of course, Grand Austria Hotel and on the expansion, second edition. Is stuff. that Lorenzo or is that somebody else? Um, I do not think he did Lorenzo. No. Uh, he Now, those are some of the designers that he works with a lot. Okay. 
Yep. Gotcha. Um, and so he is, it's very different. It is, like I said, it, it gives you the vibes of old school, traditional Euro. Even in his new artwork, it's traditional. He was part of Lorenzo. Was he part Lorenzo. of the team? Well, Board Game Geek needs to update their list here. Yeah. All right. And then on the other side is uh, Vincent Detroit, who does, he has done Robinson Crusoe, which I know Matthew is a big fan of. He did Raptor, which is a little two-player game. Um, I actually have that. Not the best game, honestly. The unmatched <laughs> version is better. Um, he did Atlantis Rising, which is a uh, Jacob oh, is a big fan game. of that. Um, it's a cooperative game, actually one of my like favorite cooperative games. Um, as far as cooperative games go, he does Treasure Island, which is fantastic. It's sort of his piratey game, and then he did Jekyll and Hyde, which is Matthew's oh, a big fan of that yeah. one. Yeah. So I also forgot. Yeah, I I, I refreshed the the list for. Uh, for Clemens Franz, he he also did Mombasa. He did Lorenzo. He did Patchwork, Watergate, Brady, uh, Suburbia. He did Watergate. Yep, it was a partnership. Hallertau, okay. Baron Park, Lots of Alto games. Plano. Oh, I can see Baron Park. Newton. Um, yeah. Ooh. So, excuse me, <laughs> Newton. Or did you I didn't mind Newton. It was a good okay. game. We need, it was we just need to get all beige. Tried it. Yeah, it is except very beige. for the green apple. Yeah, and so it is very Clemens Franz game. And so he he does have some games that stand out. I wouldn't say Watergate looks like a traditional euro style so he can do some other different things um but he for yeah. a lot of his big when watergate has a lot of like not yeah it's got a lot of like images in it yeah like actual it does. images mm-hmm. in it um so okay so back to vincent Dutrait. he has this is like a step down from like like hyper realistic art um, it still looks good like very realistic i would say like proportions on people and stuff um, he looks like, and I don't know if he's ever done this, he would be a fantastic artist for like a graphic novel yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah. He also, did you mention the the new editions for Quest for El Dorado? Mm-hmm. I did not that. mention that um, just because I don't know if a lot of people have it. I have the older edition. Yeah, I think it's limited in Europe, at least right now. Europe, yeah. I would but it love, looks amazing. Yeah, it does look amazing. Um, but yeah, the, I would say... This is probably one of my favorite art styles in board yeah. gaming. Yeah. Yeah, he That's is good. he is he is an industry I would say a standard. Like when you like what is our standard for what we expect board game art quality to be? Um that that's that's who he is there with Vincent Dutrait. All right, um, and with that said, but <laughs> when I see an artist's name that just makes me want to get that game and try it out first, I mean cuz that I mean not a lot of artists have that drawing power. Uh, when I see Clemens Franz's name attached to something, I know this is going to be some Euro beige goodness. Um, so for me, oh, my yeah, vote is true. going to be with um, Clemens Franz because I know it's about what it makes you feel. It's about that's right. It's about what it makes you feel. Now, now what, what I say in you. now I say visually, if like what is what is more aesthetically to look at, I think um, Vincent Dutrait's art, especially Robinson Crusoe's art, oh, is is so good, especially with the new Ultimate kind of Kickstarter. Oh, well, actually, Game Found edition that I backed. It's fantastic. Can it's a, you can you like divorce beige euros from this like terrible, not terrible art, but this like I don't know what what kind how you, how you describe it. Well, like, is it a euro if it has Vincent to trade artwork? I don't well, know. Listen, I don't think so. Anunnaki is trying that experiment. Is it okay? Yeah, it's supposed to be. You know, it's got our traditional euro designer boys that we enjoy but they're yeah. going for super fantasy realms modern is, awakened yep. realms is doing the same thing with uh Castle yeah Burgundy. so we'll see but i know right now that clemens franz is still a champion of old school euro um, and with a name like 
Clemens Franz. Yeah. I mean, man, that just takes you. You got a Franz in me. All right. What? It, so I'm. I'm. So for the sake of this, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Vincent Dutray. I'm gonna go with Clemens. John, I'm gonna let you tie break that. So this is difficult because I like Clemens Franz. Very different. The games he's worked on more. But if I have to go with the art style that I prefer, I would probably say Mr. Dutray. Okay. Yep, that's fair. All right, we're gonna go Vincent Dutray. Yeah, but here. like just the Grand Austria Hotel, that's got some fun art, man. All right. So next one is Great Western Trail Which by Andreas Resch Reich. Versus Blood Rage by Adrian Smith. Um, would you like to start? Yeah. And so, um, as we just mentioned, um, Andres Reach has done Great Western Trail. And so that's where I first got uh, introduced into his art style. But I started noticing, um, like John mentioned earlier, sometimes you'll just see board games and it'll make you feel like a you've played this before. Mm-hmm. And you start recognizing. And I started recognizing. I mentioned that earlier. Oh, you sorry, Brady. But I started recognizing, man, I've seen this artwork um before and so i looked into it and he has worked on a lot of big name um titles everything from great western trail mombasa he also was part of the team on lorenzo uh but he's done things everything from istanbul to gugong hadara which is a game you love but i was surprised i didn't realize he had worked on city of the big shoulders Mm -hmm. uh which is a game we love we just don't get it played as much as we as we wish um we would um he's also done paris uh, which is a newer game and one of the ones I just got. Um, and we were sitting there on the Dice Tower Cruise and I was like, Brady, something about these icons and something about this artwork feels familiar. Yeah. I think you had you had no, no, mentioned it too and that we looked it up later and he had worked on Paris. Also Imperial Steam, mm-hmm. uh, which is John's most proud gaming moment. Absolutely. Uh, where he just trounced us to the point to where we, <laughs> we, we, gave, sur- uh, we like surrender. surrendered. We surrender. Um, and so I enjoy, I feel like he clearly is working on Euros, but he is, he is, He's bringing it into a more modern art yeah. style for Euros. Paris looks like it's very eclectic. It looks like you would find it in like a British tea yeah, shop. Yeah, it's like a historical. It, yeah, it is very inviting. I will say that. Yeah, and that, that you see that on a lot of his games. And he works on a lot of his historical stuff. Imperial Steam is set in like the early 1900s, late uh-huh. 1800s. Uh, Istanbul, City of the Big Shoulders, Hadara, Gugong. Like all these are kind of historical Euro game, but he's kind of bringing a more lively. Uh, sensibility to it all right on the other side is blood rage with adrian smith um this is like very much i feel like when we talk about like those more magic the gathering type artists this is one of those Hmm. in fact i think he's done some Mm -hmm. magic yep and he's definitely done some warhammer i don't know if you knew that uh john um but he's also i think most notably in the board game world he is um he did the Eric Lang trilogy. So that's Blood Rage, Onk, and Rising, Rising Sun. Sun. Yeah. And he's exclusively attached, identified with those. Yeah. Yes. So it was like, it was only him. And bless him, he had to do a lot of art for every one of those yeah, games. A lot. There's and he even a, has, their art books are really nice for these. So you see okay. all my Kickstarter all the times, and those are always things that I never back is like the art book. But his are some that if you were going to get them, those are, are amazing. Yeah. And they're very like... They're very grim looking. A lot of a lot of beastly animals. They a lot, have of, a lot skulls. of color that's beautiful with. Them, yeah, they, it is very beautiful. So yeah, a lot of skulls, a lot of like dead bodies and whatnot. Um, I'm sure he's capable of doing. He also did hate by. I think that was yep. Simon as well. Cthulhu death may die. Cthulhu death may die. So he's very much like this. Um, leans towards like monstrosity type fantasy artwork. Yeah, yeah. but I think uh, he's done some of the best like uh, mythology 
absolutely of you know yeah. Egyptian mythology, Japanese mythology, and then uh, Viking Norse, myth, yeah. Norse mythology, and bringing those not in a gimmicky way or not in a it's very grounded, yeah, but vibrant. If I guess vibrant is the right word, but um, and they looked re- like they look like I don't know, like they could have existed like anatomically almost, like the the gods and. Um, and Ankh, they lo- they mm-hmm. all look incredible. They're just jumping right off of the, of the history yeah, booking yeah. pages, um, and just on that grounds of loan. I mean, he his is a standard in my mind opinion. If we're gonna get some fantasy slash kind of mythology type type artwork, like that's the he standard of quality. Board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are we gonna go with here? Um, I am, may surprise you, but I'm going to go with um. Adrian Smith on this. I, I think, think that he's just head and shoulder above what I've seen other publishers and artists put out in that, in that realm. Yeah, I think he runs away with this one. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to go. Because um, even though like the artwork, back. I'll say in like Mythic Battle Ragnarok, John, is cool. I feel like. Watch what you say. I'm not. It has. It's, it's it, trash. It had, no, it has more. The edges are more rounded. Like. In his artwork, softer. I guess it's softer edges, and that's kind of how the feel of the the art looks. Whereas Adrian Smith is very sharp; it sharp. is very detailed, is very grim to its realism, which yeah. I really appreciate. All right, next up we have Sleeping Gods by Ryan Lockett. Ryan Lockett versus Architects of the West Kingdom by it is Mihalo Dimitrievski. Yeah, forgive us if we yeah. if we pronounce these wrong. Um, but John, you haven't gotten a chance to start yet. Why don't you start yeah. with architects? So, um, architects of the West Kingdom, and and the Miko is is this uh, gentleman's nickname. Uh, but he does the art for all of the Garpil games. So think of the West Kingdom trilogy, uh, Viscounts, Paladins, and Architects. Um, the North Sea trilogy. Um, he has done Valeria Card Kingdoms, which is another popular game. Imperium Legends, Merchants Cove, a handful of different things he's been a part of. Um, he's got a very, very unique art style, very that, distinct that you will see, and a lot of it is uh, similar across all of those uh, different game trilogies. So the new South Tigris uh, game trilogy has a lot of the same um, kind of roots, uh, but has branched out in other areas. So they're they're cartoony. Um, kind of very angular uh, yeah. faces and yeah, shapes yeah. that don't look very realistic, right? Nobody has a face that has that much of an angle to their cheek. But like my thoughts always um, been like a pop up book art. Yeah, it almost seems like these are like two dimensional that you can literally like stand up from a piece of paper, like cut them out. But uh, one reason why I wanted to make sure he was in here is because I think he's developed a universe across multiple series of games that you can instantly recognize. You couldn't not know what the game was. You could look at a single card and be like, that's from this publisher's series of games. I might not yes. know which one, but I think it's cool how he's created this v- very unique art style that seems to be specific to, uh, you know, these different trilogies of games. So it's definitely not, uh, you know, the most realistic. I think it's relatively inviting. I think it's easy to understand and it's very consistent across um, the different trilogies that he's been involved in. Um, all right. And on the other side is Ryan Lockett, who holds the um, unique place where he uh, a lot of times for his games both designs them he's like the full package he designs the games and does the artwork for and them. publishes and publishes like i mean he, that's crazy it, that is that is i don't even know how that's possible yeah yeah how do you even how how do you have the time um to comprehend and you would do think that? that you know either the games or the artwork would be suffering in that but mm-hmm. they like 
they don't really like his artwork is amazing. And they the world building that he's able to do from yeah. both designing and doing the artwork that they develop congruently with each mm-hmm. other yeah. and it builds like so with sleeping gods uh it just creates an immensely deep world did anyone yeah. back the new uh, expansion with the it's original game of sleeping never, god uh oh no sorry um really quick so some of his other games are above and blue um, above and below isle bound and now or never i don't know if you guys near and far he did like the four minute kingdom uh, he's done a lot of smaller games that has been in that uh, they're, they're, games they're a little more um, kind of like you guys mentioned they're a little more story driven a lot of times um, even if they have more euro mechanics um, but the his artwork is very whimsical but like yeah like the world building is incredible like it, sleeping yeah. gods is one that has been on my radar for a long time just because of that world um, the the art is very, it's not very realistic. Um, it kind of looks like um, but it's maybe immersive. a child's storybook, mm-hmm. a very well done child's storybook. <laughs> yeah. Um, Agreed. Um, all right, so my, my personal opinion is I personally do not like the style of the Miko's artwork. He's a very talented artist. I could not do that in a million years, <laughs> um, but it's just not a style that I lean towards yeah. um especially when i don't know how much he does but the, the just the how just flat all the iconography are in the games too and repeated symbology in the games i feel like i've done a lot and so it is honestly it makes me not want to try out the new garfield games don't you tell me that i already backed it i backed you it already, with the metal coins well for you john i will play it absolutely you will it's beautiful for you i would have done uh, whatever but I will Justin also I will also vote for Ryan Lockett on this one. I think, yeah, especially if you look at his uh, the near and far, above and below, now or never trilogy of games, and think about it in the same aspect of a trilogy of the Garfield games and the you know art that kind of continues between all of them. I think it's just yeah. it's does just prettier. does art elevate the game? And in his in his case, I think it does. Oh, it, 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 no, in every case, it does. Yeah. Every, every case. well, no, but I'm saying in art can bring down a game. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, Saying okay. like, does yeah, does, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, the I I I wish I would just stop. But he, but other but I don't he, mind the the Garfield games art. I don't think yeah. it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I but like it's usually popular. Of it. And, it also does truly help you understand more about how different things are played because you can understand a lot of the iconography is the same across lots of games. Yep, but. and and people I know that they have every title in their collection. Absolutely, um, that's gonna be me one day. All right, next up, we have Stone Age by the good Michael Menzel. And Seven Wonders, Miguel Coimbra. Miguel Coimbra, which I think was a a little bit of a col- collaboration on Seven Wonders, so I'll let you explain any other games. Yeah, Seven Wonders has uh, a handful of different people on it, but it was the first game that came to mind. But uh, Miguel Coimbra is also credited on uh, games like Cyclades, Small World, Battle Lore, um, the original edition, Imhotep, uh, Zombicide is a big one. Outlive is a game we've played as well. Yeah. Um, the others, a handful of different things like that. When I Dream, he's also credited on, but a lot of different people are on that one. But um, yeah, his artwork is is very good. Um, good, uh, a lot of medieval style uh, games that I'm seeing here as I'm going through the list. Um, not very realistic art, I would say. Right there's there's a not cartoony, but um, you can, he's not going for kind of photo realism or, um, things like that, even in, in outlive, right. The, the characters in those games aren't necessarily the most realistic, but, um, it's, it's got its own niche in Zombicide. Obviously he's got a lot of those gross zombies and, 
the different characters you can play, et cetera. Um, so I'm sure he had a, a part in that. But um, yeah, overall, I'd say relatively consistent art. Um, I like a lot of the games that he's contributed to. Um, Cyclades has some interesting uh, parts to it where I don't necessarily love some of the graphic design, but I think that's more on... Uh, the graphical design, um, like rule books, some of the other things can be hard to understand or read, but some of um, the, I don't think that's a, a problem with the art. Yeah, some of the monsters look a little old school. Yeah. Uh, like they look a little like, you know, early 2000s Magic the Gathering, whatever. Um, but the gods in there look fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree. And Matthew? Yep. I have the good sir, Michael Menzel. Now, the, he is also another designer artist extraordinaire um his big ones that he's known for for the things that he's designed at least in my mind that really stands out is legend of andor series um two full uh standalone type sequels and then some other mini expansions for it have you all are you all familiar with legends of andor how it i works? have definitely seen it it kind of like it remind i've kind of mentally put it in the same place as like descent but I know that's probably not quite right. No, no, no. It's very, very much different. It is a cooperative fantasy fill, um, quasi Tolkien esque type artwork uh, in it. But essentially, like you're cooperative, but you're. It's not a real time game, but it's a time management game. Like the action you're doing and things you're puzzle solving with these invading units. It's all kind of time based that you're spending. Um, but that was a huge one, but he's worked on titles uh, such as Catan, Pillars of the Earth, Rococo, Royals, My oh, Cities, got me with Pillars of Stone the Earth. Age, Dominion. Um, and so he is a he's a staple. And he's famous for like his boards, correct? Like, yeah, his uh, game boards and stuff. Yeah, and they just look ama- they, amazing. This is one of those where a lot of you want to like look at the board because yeah. it looks like, you know, a village or or mm. a town or whatever. Yep. Um, and he and does, there's like little people walking around. There's like a, you know, a town center, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially in, in Pillars of the Earth and in, and in Legend Stone of Age. Andor. Yeah. Uh, Stone Age, it's not as detailed, but especially in those other two, it's it's it's, it's very detailed. But the perspective of that that he has the players, it's not just a top-down. It's almost like a yeah. like an angled-out view. And so mm-hmm. it, it creates like a lot of like depth inside and stri- the board. It just strikes a great balance between like utility of the board, like being able to un- see mm-hmm. and understand what's going on and like the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think his artwork is uh, fantastic and it's, a, it's classic kind of Euro, but it's not what we think of as beige. Um, and so it's bringing more yeah. life. It's bringing more character, but he's still um, kind of a standard type industry kind of standard for artwork. All right, where are you falling on this one? Uh, Michael Menzel is going to get my vote. I've always uh, been enthralled by his artwork and style, very grounded. I'm going to follow the same. I think uh, the board specifically is a great call out, right? It's not just box art that we're looking at. It's art, uh, you know, throughout the game. Um, And whereas Seven Wonders box might look more inviting or exciting than Stone Age, I think when you think about the the whole catalog of games that are associated, I would go. You know, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit on this one. I know that it doesn't matter at this point, but... I I love the artwork in Seven Wonders, and I can't necessarily speak to a lot of the other ones you mentioned, but like Seven Wonders to me is like I can't quite describe how like the art style, but it to me is like almost the perfect art style. Okay, um, I love it. Um, so I'm going to go with Seven Wonders, but the winner was Stone Age there. Okay, now we have Benson Dutrait, um versus oh. Everdell with. Andrew Bosley. 
Yep. Um, and so I have Andrew Bosley. That is, some of his notable games are Everdell, Tapestry, Mich- the reprint of Mission Red Planet, The River, which is a Days of Wonder game, and The New Merchants of the Dark Road was also Andrew Bosley. Um, and uh, he has, I think he strikes like the perfect balance between whimsical and like a a realistic artwork. Um so the, it's almost like a combination between um, like the artwork in Liber- the original Libertalia and something like um, Sleeping Gods by, with uh, Ryan Lockett. It's like you merge those together, a little softer, a little less like realistic and grim, and you have Andrew Bosley's art style. Um, and to me, it's perfect. Like Everdell, I don't love Everdell as a game, but the game is absolutely beautiful it, it just mm-hmm. looks like the game's coming alive yeah and the world building that that artwork um provides is just like on another level he puts a lot of little small details like you mentioned in the characters and the cards or on the boards mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like it looks like everdell was based off of like a pixar movie but it wasn't like because of the world and the world is so fleshed out and everything yeah um all right so we've described we've already gone over vincent detroit where are you guys feeling on this one Andrew Bosley is going to have my my vote. Bosley for me. Bosley for me. That's a tough one. Vincent Detroit going up against Andrew Bosley. Shoo. All right, Matthew, this is you. So we're going to start off with Blood Rage over here on the left. That is Adrian Smith. We just went over him versus Scythe. Jakub Rosalski. I think it's pretty pretty close. And so um, he doesn't have quite the repertoire of some of these other artists, but we were making the list and um, his art really stood out uh, for the work he's done on Scythe or the world. Uh, what makes it different is that this game was created Scythe based on his artwork first. Um, yeah. And James- I think that's why he deserves a spot on the list, Absolutely. even though he's not necessarily like the, a board game artist, but the fact that his art was so lived in and compelling that, um, and Jamie some, wanted to design a game around it. Just that says something. Yeah, really and, cool. and it's something that a lot of things are compared to. Um, it takes a different look on the historical. It's a very historical kind of grim, dark kind of what yep. what were the 1940s like if you know World War II had gone differently and all these mechs are used for industrial type stuff, but there's still these military states. Um, but it gives a great a kind of mix of like hand painted art like on a canvas mm. versus kind of like um digitally yeah, made as well like it looks like it could be in a museum yeah and yeah. it looks like it could be hand painted for historical for the piece time piece um but the entire map and the detail from the character boards to the actual game board of scythe it's a, it's a living world when i think of of game boards that stand out that are unique that are immersive that have players just living in the world you feel that when you're playing scythe now you don't want to live in the world too long because you know the faster you are, the better you do in the right. game. Um, but it, it's a world that he's created that I think is uni- uniquely stands out from everything else. And I think that's one of the things that made Scythe um, such a hot hit when it came out is that this world was like un- unlike anything that anyone had seen before in gaming. That it had history, that it had story, that the artwork and the characters told something it, it told a history it told a time an alternate history um and it, and it stood out and it's different now like we said um 
it's going to be hard for him competing against some of these other artists just because of sure. the, the scope the of what he's done. But I think he's definitely noteworthy for, you know, the sometimes it's, it's negative connotation, but a one hit wonder is like, sometimes that one hit wonder yeah. could be something that's influencing culture for the and next he's 20 got years. A lot more art outside of just the board games too. Right. I yeah. was just checking back on our, our Twitter. Actually. I remember one of the first episodes we had, we, talked about what uh, movie or what video game universe we'd love to see in a movie. And I think Scythe won that conversation. We'd actually tweeted about it. And uh, Jamie Stegmeyer responded and mentioned uh, Jacob's uh, or Jakob. I don't know what you're, you're saying. Um, Maybe Jacob or 1920s. uh, Iron Harvest, I think, or I think it's Iron Harvest. And it's, it's on steam. It's kind of a RTS real time strategy game. Yeah. With Max. Yeah. Where are you guys landing on this one? This is a tough one. It's hard. Um, because no one, I mean, a lot of people do fantasy mythology, mythological stuff, but like still no one has quite replicated what, um, I don't know if it's Jacob or Jakob. Um, let's go with Jacob. I'm going to say Jacob because I have sat and played a game of scythe and just sat there and been like, man. Look at the art on this expedition tile. Look what they're doing over here. You know, like look at this. Well, and you remember, and, and I just haven't done that. Well, not that the art in Ankh or Rising Sun isn't great. Like we can be like, oh, that's a really cool miniature. Well, or, thing is, when you take you know, the miniatures but, away and looking at the board or looking at the cards, it doesn't compare in my mind. It doesn't quite compare with the artwork. And in and Scythe, the is it the bigger board where he has little um, like Easter East? eggs in? Oh it yeah, like, and uh, in the modular board too. So it'll have like, there's like C-3PO and R2-D2 in it. Yep. There's, there's Thor, there's Santa Claus, there's Pac-Man, there's yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff, which I think is just awesome and I wish was done more. Are we all three going scythe on this one? Yep. Send it. I, I'll say, go. I'm going to call him Jakob. Jakob sounds cool. Jakob. Yeah. All right. We have um, Sleeping Gods, Ryan Lockett versus On Mars. Well, Take it away. Why is why is this an imminent comparison? All right, so On Mars is designed, and the artist is, uh, not designed, I'm sorry, the artist is Ian O'Toole. Great Ian O'Toole. Famous for making euros that don't look like a piece of brown paper. Um, (laughs) He is credited on and is the artist for On Mars, Lisboa, The Gallerist, Kanban, Vinos, uh, Age of Steam, he's credited on. Um, as well as Unmatched Cobble and Fog for a not Euro game pipeline as well. Um, Ian O'Toole has the ability to take a heavy, convoluted, um, and, and thick Euro game and make the art um, very thematic, very engaging, um, but also uh, helps with some of the mechanics. So I think um, Ian O'Toole, as, as a lover of Euro games, right? I haven't played any of Ryan Lockett's games, so I think this is slightly biased. Um, obviously I'm, I'm going Ian O'Toole on this, but, um, I think there's stuff to be said on either side, right? Um, I don't think Ian O'Toole's art is maybe as evocative as Ryan Lockett's maybe. I think Sleeping Gods has. Did do Dead Reckoning. Uh, maybe he did do Dead Reckoning. Yep. All right. So, but Ian O'Toole just, I, I think specifically Wait, Ian for. Ian O'Toole did Dead Reckoning? Yep. Oh, well. For I, the you, challenge. just want it for me. For the challenge of making a Euro look amazing like setting it up on the table and being like this looks awesome like i'm ready yeah. to play this i'm excited yeah. to play it regardless if you have a good experience with the game or not right i know some people vincent lacerda is just not their games and that's okay but i think everyone can appreciate what someone can do when they are, are skillful like he is and invested in 
making Euros beautiful. Exactly. Make Euros beautiful again. Because it's more than just the art, it's also the graphic design. Absolutely. Which I think which is, is huge. It, it, huge. Yeah. The essentially graphic design is our you guys player know interface I hate in the space game. Hexagons. I, there are yeah. no space well, the pieces on the board. It's are how you understand it, it's how you interpret the things that are happening on the board. And I don't think these Lacerda games would stand a chance without you know tool. And that's yep. not anything against Lacerda's designs or their heavy, complex heroes. Um, but you know, Tool takes a game, even like Kanban, that just even the the the, so, the simple concept of having that that work kind of conveyor strip right yep. down the middle of the board, dividing workstations, yep. having a flow of, of a continuity of actions and keeping track. Because you know, those Lacerda games is like, okay, what are we supposed to do? What's going on? What does this mean? Uh, we can sit down and play a game like Kanban and not really having to reference stuff maybe other than your little player aid board, which is is a huge, um, huge testament. And he does a lot of collaborative stuff on different things like the Paradox Initiative uh, that recently was on Kickstarter Game Found, who did a, that did collaborations with a bunch of different artists. He did a recent Mind Clash game, Voidfall, which is kind of like a new 4X space game. Um, so, so I don't, where are you guys leaning on this? Oh, it, it's Inno it's Inotool. Yeah, I was coming into this, I not knowing whether to have a higher respect for what seems to be Inotool's versatility and how he can. It seems like he can adopt different art styles. Like Unmatched looks very different from on Mars here. Yeah. the Cobble and Fall. And I don't know all of what he did on on that. I think there. Yeah. I'm seeing some for the Marvel, you know, Hell's Kitchen Redemption Row being credited for him as well. What the weather and that machine looks like Cobble and Fall. Yeah, as and well. if you've looked at the weather machine, the newest Lacerda game, I mean, that is distinctly different. Like in his games are distinctly different. Like on Mars looks nothing like these other ones other than like their clean aesthetic. Yeah. Um he but the art part of the Silk Road. Oh, that's right, he did. And that that game looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether to put higher his versatility or Ryan Lockett's like just distinct uniqueness um, that he has in all of his games. You gotta pick one, Brady. Um, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, John, it matters. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tool um, also did uh, Black Angel and Pipelines. I'm going to. I'll stick up for so Sleeping good. Gods here, but yeah. um, this is a tough one. It oh. is a tough one, but yeah, we're oh. going. There it is. Here we go. So we have Stone Age. Good um, luck. Matthew mentioned. Yeah. Um, Michael Menzel. Michael Menzel. This is versus Root with Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron. Now, this is another artist who is synonymous with a publisher. publisher. Yeah. yeah. So I can go first on Kyle Farron because obviously we've talked about the Stone Age artist. So. Um, Kyle Farron is most well known for Root, I would say, um, as a very unique art style um, in a very inviting and warm, uh, you know, characterization of these woodland creatures um, who truly are uh, vicious, backstabbing, aggressive, uh, insurgent factions. So um, I was listening to a, a talk by Cole Worley, actually, that Matthew sent to our group. Uh, and he actually touched on the concept of the very purposeful design of the art in Root. Um, is to be inviting. So he talked about conflict in games and how art can play a part in that. Um, and he actually brought up Blood Rage in comparison to Root. So uh, he kind of put them on a scale where Blood Rage is a, uh, you know, not so mean game outside of the draft. You might not realize that, right? But they got the Adrian Smith art that, you know, you got skulls yeah. and you got Brutal. blood everywhere. Yeah. Right? Brutal art that makes you think it's it named is further blood on yeah. the mean spectrum. And so that's how you kind of go, go into the game. And then you have a game like Root, which is extremely mean, but it pulls you that opposite direction to thinking it's not as mean as it is based on the inviting art. And I just think that's a, a cool way to think about 
how the art can impact your experience of the game. Um, Kyle Ferentz also worked on Oath and Vast as well as the upcoming game Arcs. Um, I think there's probably more criticism on some of those and, and kind of the the weirder nature of some of the um you know art there i think root as itself is a, a magnum opus right that i don't think there'll be a game i like the art for more than root um you can tell which one i'm i'm leaning towards right but i do also like just the unique nature of um of oath as well as arcs upcoming i'm excited for that it, it's a different take on uh science fiction type art in arcs at least it's it's more cartoony um, it's a little bit more whimsical, I guess that might be a word for it. Um, not necessarily the traditional rules of science fiction. Yeah, with some, your, a little bit of an abstract nature. Yeah, too. Abstract is a great way to put yeah. it. Um, because so, you're right when it talks about like with oath, it takes medieval fantasy Yeah, and then arcs is going to be taking science fiction fantasy and he's reincorporating that. And I think some of the artwork in arcs looks really, really cool. When you look at some of the ships mm-hmm. that he has done and some of the technology, we haven't really seen him do a lot of technology. Yeah. Um, I will say this, you know, I am not quite as much on the Kyle Farron train as you guys are, but I will say this about Kyle Farron. When I look at his art, he's one of the, one of the only artists where I would say I would want, I want to watch him like draw root. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is, but it just looks like he kind of like lets his pen almost like do what what it wants to do. I don't know. Yeah. That might sound there was weird. Because it, it looks a little rough. You know what I'm saying? Like, the characters are not like these it's not fine lines. Sharp, yeah, right yeah. Now. He looks like he like like he really enjoys doing it's what Kind of like does. the Bob Ross kind of quote is that we're not making mistakes. We're making like... Happy accidents. Happy accidents. And yeah. It's kind of like, I, I can't remember if it's from a movie or uh, some other scene, but someone was sitting down trying to paint and they were just having roadblocks. Like, where do I start? Where do I go thinking? Um, and then they, you know, they quoted, you know, if they looked at a Jackson Pollock uh, and they said that if, if Jackson Pollock ever thought about where he would place the first stroke on his on his canvas, he would never have created his masterpieces. And I think, Kyle, <laughs> this is this is very lotty comparisons. I don't mean it to be, but the, the, the concept is Kyle Farron's art looks um, intuitively inspired and more than purposeful. And that doesn't mean just chaos, but it almost like allows just the art to kind of create itself. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe it, but I will say that his similar to like the Miko, his art is almost maybe sometimes to a fault, extremely identifiable to what itself, yeah. even if in different setting space versus medieval fantasy versus root. Yeah, I, um, I think root does really well. I don't think root, root, root wouldn't be the same without his artwork. Yeah. Um, what Fort, not so much to me for little weird like when you when you translate that artwork to children it just it doesn't work quite as well for me yeah because it does a lot with creatures or i guess in arcs is going to be kind of like science fiction aliens yeah. creatures because in 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 um oh they took like medieval type people but turn them into like a you got foxes or even some like unique strange different yep. creatures um for my vote it's going to be Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron. He creates, you know, these worlds that you want to live All in right. and explore. I'm going to give Kyle Farron this one, but he's... He's on your list. Yep. He's He needs to watch out. Oh! oh. Yikes. All right, so we're going to be probably getting into more, like, we've we've kind of covered it. Yep. Rapid fire. We got Scythe versus Everdell. Just shout out their names when you get them. So we got uh, Andrew Bosley here with Everdell. Jakob. Jakob. I'm going to go Jakob on this one. I just, Scythe, there's just something about 
how that art makes me feel while I'm playing the game. Oh, man, that tapestry artwork, though. Huh? Ever know. Man, the John. Merchants I, of the Dark Road. Like, I don't, I don't. Merchants <sighs> of the Dark Road is amazing looking. Not, is. not a great game, but amazing looking. Honestly, on the tapestry artwork, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Bosley. <gasps> Shoo, we're going Bosley. Uh, that's a tough one, though. All right, we're going Scythe versus Vincent Dutrait. Jacob. It's all Jacob for me. Jacob. Yeah, because even though their artwork seems a little similar in style, um, at least with the Treasure Island artwork looking at that, I think I'm going to go Jacob. Jacob. I think I'm going to go Jacob on this one. Vincent Dutrait, this is a little bit of a hot take, and I am so sorry. I hope this never makes it to uh, Vincent Dutrait. Yeah, David is going to be calling us when he, as soon as he hears this episode dropping tonight, he's going to be calling us yeah. super fast. Um, Vincent Dutrait is a budget Andrew Bosley. I'm saying it right now. A budget Brady, Andrew Bosley. Say, oh my gosh, Brady, you <laughs> like, can't say something like that. Like, sorry, we, we, we got to put, yeah, we got to put. We we didn't have quite as much room in the artwork budget. We gotta we gotta no 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 stop stop stop. Have you seen the artwork for Atlantis Rising? It's fantastic. Now listen, if any any of the artists that made it on our list, they're already top. Yeah, 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 these these are the the creme the creme. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, this is Blood Rage with Adrian Smith versus Vincent Dutrait. Now these these are very equal to me. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Adrian. I like the themes of Adrian Smith's art in terms of what it shows i loved how he captured if you think source material to um you know what he presented uh how he did the mythologies that we talked about earlier just puts him above yeah the thing is vincent trade artwork is fantastic but whenever i see it i don't instinctively know oh this is vincent to trade artwork i look at it and it's like oh yeah he's got he does have a little bit of versatility which is that's i'm not, gonna that's go not i'm gonna go vincent to trade on this because i i just really like his artwork but uh, yeah very very equal um, you guys both went Blood Rage on that? Yep. Okay. Um, we have Great Western Trail versus Vincent Dutrait. Within, or, sorry. Yep, Andreas Resch. Uh, Andreas Resch. Resch. Um, and I'm going to go with Andreas Resch on that. Um, he has a big diversity of kind of Euro-type palette uh, artwork that I really enjoy. I'm going to go toss up. Vincent Dutrait. So, John, why don't you break that tie for us? Dresch still did, uh, or Resch did the second edition of Great Western Trail, right? I don't believe we so. We need to confirm this. If he didn't, then... Uh, I like that. I like that. Let's see. He did not. It was Chris Williams. Yeah, he did. I know. I'm, I'm going to so go to Drake. There we go. Who also, a side note, he also oh, worked on a lot a of the pandemics. One. This is a tough one. All right, this is Great Western Trail versus Grand Austria Hotel. It's going to be Clemens That's Franz. That's kind of hard to say, actually. It's going to be Clemens Franz all day. I'm going to go Franz. Franz. All right, Root. Oh, it had to happen. Yep, it had here to happen. it is, John. All right, this is Root. That is Kyle Farron versus On Mars, which is... Yep. Ian O'Toole. It's Ian the, O'Toole. Ian O'Toole's tool bag It seems to be much deeper, so I'm going to go with Ian O'Toole on this. Really? I'm going to go with Kyle Farron because uh, Root is just my favorite art in any board game. I love the Redwall books growing up. That's exactly what the game feels like. Um, I, I'm a fan of the arcs in the oath artwork as well. Although Ian O'Toole has just done wonders with the Euro. Um, I just enjoy Kyle Farron's art more. Yeah. That's it. I like the, what What was the book you referenced there? Redwall. Redwall. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Redwall, Redwall is like 
older elementary school. I feel like if if they converted that to like a picture book for kids, it would be root. Because Redwall looks a little, it's got a, it's a little more realistic. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Ian O'Toole on this one. Root isn't getting a hard hard pass for me. Um, all right, Root versus Sleeping Gods. This is Ryan Lockett versus Kyle Farron. Oh, Kyle Farron. I'm gonna go Kyle Farron on this. Kyle Farron. I'll go Sleeping Gods. And it is really a preference, and I, I I completely agree. I'm in the minority on this. I think majority of the public would take Ryan Lockett's artwork. I don't know. I don't know that that's true, but we'll go with it. Um, all right, this is Stone Age versus Sleeping Gods. Kyle Farron, or not Kyle Farron, sorry. Uh, Ryan Lockett versus... Michael Menzel. Michael Menzel. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go... Oh, wow, this is hard. I'm going to go Michael Menzel. Um, even though... Um, Ryan Lockett's art is beautiful. I enjoy the grounded perspective nature of Menzel's art. Ryan Lockett. I'm actually going to throw Michael Menzel a bone Ooh. here. Yeah, I'm going to switch it up. I love his boards. His boards just look so so amazing. I They're a joy to open up, so we're doing that. Um, Seven Wonders versus Sleeping Gods. This was Ryan Lockett versus... Oh, I have his name here. It is Miguel Coimbra. I still think Ryan Lockett wins this one. Yeah. Is it's it's very evocative. All right, we're going to give it to Ryan. I've Lockett. used that word too many times. It's okay. Evocative. Um, all Ooh. right, the Seven Wonders versus Architects of the West Kingdom. I'm going to go the with Meek. the Miko on this one, I'm just gonna... because I enjoy the universes he's created and the consistency he has across a variety of themes and worlds. I'm going to go with Coimbra. Yeah, Coimbra for me. Um, all right, this is uh, Andrew Bosley with Everdell slash Tapestry. Um, versus what Ian O'Toole mm-hmm. with on Mars. Ian, this is Ian O'Toole. Ian O'Toole. Far really? and away. Um, Andrew who? Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely going Andrew Bosley on this one, but you did bring out a quite the repertoire with Ian O'Toole, I will say that. I mean, dead it, Reckoning. I'm not, My heart dead was reckoning. outpouring. Here's the thing, though, and you you actually surprised me with Dead Reckoning. Dead, I would not have been surprised if you said... Andrew Bosley did Dead, Re- Dead Reckoning. But could Andrew of- Bosley do Kanban or on Mars? Nope. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I would I would not have mistaken that for Andrew Bosley. I'll say that. All right, we're going to go with that. All right, Root versus Everdell. Andrew on, Bosley versus get compared Kyle a lot. Come on, Matthew. Come on, Matthew. Come, come on. Man, I have to I have to separate my love for the games that he does. But man, yep. honestly, tapestry I think is his best work. I l- I don't know something about the world of tapestry. I it yep. just and it, that, it breaks my cover, heart that I wish I loved the game more. Yeah, the cover is just Ugh. stunning. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, Bosley. Bosley. Yeah, that's the only one I wanted well, to win Kyle right Farron. there, baby. It's a victory. Oh, oh why are they doing right this here. to me? This Kyle Farron versus, versus Root. Well, Kyle Farron versus Jakob. Jakob. I'm gonna go with Kyle Farron. I'm, I'm also I'm so sorry if we're pronouncing your name wrong, Jakob. We want to be your friend though. Yeah, <laughs> you have amazing artwork. Yeah, um, yeah, man. If he had just done at least one other title, it just man. I'm gonna have to go with Kyle. <sighs> Kyle Farron, I think. You're both going Kyle Farron. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will go Scythe on this one, but well. Kyle Farron. I don't know. I may, I may change my mind. All right, Michael well, wait, Menzel. Wait, wait, wait. Are you changing your mind? Later. I mean, no, no, no. We're sticking with it, but okay. I may regret it later. But I'm sticking with my vote. 
integrity. All right, uh, Michael Ma- Menzel versus Sir Jakob. Jakob. We're going with it at this point. Jakob. Uh, Jakob. It'll be Jakob, Jakob. for me. Um, yeah, I'm going with it. All right, we are Adrian getting it close to the end here. This is Adrian Smith versus Michael Menzel. Adrian Smith. Adrian Smith. Okay, I'm going to go. So here's my only take up with Adrian Smith. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Part of this has to do with theming a little bit, not just artwork. But when someone, when lay people ask, hey, what's your favorite board game? And I have to tell them Blood Rage. Now he didn't name at, the game. Yeah, and then at worst, I would have to show them this cover. I just and, feel like for hardcore gamers, they would be like, yeah, let's do this. For like 90% of like normal people out there, they would be like, are you okay? But if like, somebody sees that and doesn't get excited, do you really want to be friends with him? And that's what I'm saying. Like I saw Blood Rage and I was like, <laughs> let's go. I am so ready to play well, this game. Well, I, I, Brady, I will agree with you. It, but for a while, that cover put me off. It put Rising me off Sun, from get, getting Blood Rage. it's the same with Ankh. The, the cover of Ankh does not look that great. I disagree. Compared to Rising, I think Rising Sun's cover is the best. Absolutely. Rising, oh man, the, the map in Rising Sun. Oh, oh yeah. Actually, I like the... Uh, Oh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. The expansion that uh, it's blue on the cover, the Pantheon expansion for Ankh. That's got beautiful art on it. Yeah, but compared to the hex on the boards, which is not bad, but man, yeah. It's Are gonna you be... a hex hater over there? No, I'm not, but it's 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 much cleaner board, which it needs to be. Yeah, sure. But the, the the Japanese historical map artwork is, is I think it's the best play mat and board, yeah. one of the best boards we have. Um, we... It's going to be Adrian Smith for me. Mm-hmm. Adrian Smith? Yeah. Okay. I will relinquish that one. All right. Michael Menzel? Yep, versus Vincent Dutrait. That's a tough one. Give me Winnie Menzel. I think I'm going to give Dutrait just the, oh, man, Stone Age. I, I love that kind of throwback. Yeah. yeah I'm going to go Menzel. He did Shogun, too. Yeah, I'm going to go Menzel. You're going Menzel? Mm-hmm. Man, I just feel like my boy Vincent Dutrait is not going to be as high as he should be. I feel, I, and this is not a criticism, but I feel like his... His artwork just blends into where it just doesn't stand out. It's always great. It's always good, but it just doesn't. It doesn't pop or doesn't identify with certain things. It doesn't. But I think I can see Michael Menzel's, and I know what it's what it, that game is going to be, and I can see you know tools, and I I know what that game is going to kind of be like. We're going Michael Menzel. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. We're going to really have to rapid fire these. This is Sleeping Gods versus um, Vincent Detroit. You know what? I'm going to give the edge to Vincent Detroit on this. Um. That may be a hot topic. Ryan yep. Lockett. I'm going Ryan Lockett on this one. I'm just I'm just really feeling it. Yep. I'm just going with my guy here. All right. Seven Wonders, which is Coinbra. 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 <laughs> Versus uh Vincent Detroit. It's Vincent Detroit still for me. Detroit. I'm I'm flip flopping and going seven wonders on that one. Um all right. Clemens Franz versus Coinbra. Franz. Franz. All day long. It is Franz. Just look I at that butler, go, man. I'd go Seven Wonders on that one. All right. I mean, come Andreas on. Resch. Coimbra, please. Please. On, Coimbra on this one. Okay. And, Andreas. This, sorry, that was Coimbra versus Great Western Trail, which was... Artist Andreas, Andreas okay. Resch. All right. Architects of the West Kingdom versus... The Miko. Uh, Great Western Trail. This is... Um, Andreas Resch. I'm going to go Resch as well. I just, I, I just have a bias. I just really do not like... The Mika's artwork. One hundred percent with you. I'm sorry, John. It doesn't he's, matter. He's going to be. Yep. He's going to be last and less. Oh, and that is the list, folks. We, Here we go. Tabulation <laughs> has occurred. 
All right. Come to king. All right. What are our what are our predictions? Oh, let's get, you know, let's, yeah, tools, be number one. You know, tools on, number hang on, hang on. Last three. Last three. What are the predictions? Oh, so the this last is bottom. Three. Miko's got to be in the 10, bottom. 11, you guys are haters. The Miko's probably the bottom one. Miko, Dutrait. I feel like Coimbra. Uh, Coimbra is low on yeah, there, Yeah, Coimbra is low on there. Just hit us with it. All right. So we'll go last to first. This is number 12 is Architects of the West Kingdom. Miko. You help help me with the names here. Um, and then we have Great Western Trail. Resh. Andreas. Andreas. Uh, Seven Wonders. Coimbra. Coimbra. Um, Grand Austria Hotel. Clemens Franz dropped that oh, far. Nine. Whoa. That was nine. Wow. Um, okay. Vincent Dutrait was eight. I really, yeah, I feel like he got some, I don't know. He uh, beat out Clemens Franz. I mean. Yeah. So. All right. Sleeping Gods. That Ryan is Lockett. Ryan Lockett at, man, we have some like, for Ryan Lockett to be number seven, there's some heavy hitters in there. Um, Stone Age, that was Michael Menzel. That's number six. Those boards. Um, um, Adrian Smith with Blood Rage is number oh, yeah. five. Okay. Scythe. With our Jacob. boy Jakob, and that just was, goes to show, like one game, one game, and he got to. But it's four. a universe, man. It is. And I, I agree. Just how much we love, we love that one, one game's artwork. It's and it's extensive too. I mean, it's on all, all the literally the card art, the encounters in that game are literally yes. a scene, and it kind of gives you a choice A, B, or C, yeah. and you're literally looking at this scene and you're making a decision. I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's there's a, a wide scope of art he's done for that yeah. game. All right, what's number three? You got Ian O'Toole. You've already said Adrian Smith, didn't we? Um, it's Kyle, it's got to be Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron. It's Kyle Farron. Uh, with Root is number three. Andrew Bosley, number two. I will take that. And Ian O'Toole, number one. I'm going to have to look up uh, more games by Ian O'Toole. Oh, they're beautiful, for him man. To get, for him to get number Gosh. one. My, my Weather thing, Machine looks phenomenal, at least for the, the, the artwork. If... If I, if you were to pin me down, and this really isn't even close, and said, oh, like, we're banning all other, um, all other artists. One artist is going to do all board games from now on. I would say Andrew Bosley, hands down. You know, tool. I don't yeah. care. He's done light games too. Like, an Irish Gage is a game of his. That game looks beautiful. Like the even the way they do those little hexagons and stuff. Wasn't there supposed to be a game that is going to be collab with? Vincent Detroit and Andrew Bosley. Oh. I thought like it was like that that uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, and it's like in his mind, and you see like two different types of artwork competing against each other. I know David um, that would, that had mentioned amazing. this to us. Um, I'm trying to look on here for upcoming games, but I'm not seeing anything for either one of them. So. All right, but um, yeah, that that's our list. We we talk about artwork all the time. If you um, have a favorite artist, or if we totally missed out on one that deserved to be on the list, which there's we a lot. Probably did. Um, yeah, reach out to us. Let us know. Throw out some games they've designed, and we will. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to own up to that. Yeah. Um, and now, Brady, do you feel like you're you're a little more on page I'm glad, with, with, I'm glad with keeping we, up with I'm, who these artists yeah, are? Yeah, I'm glad we got that because we, yeah, we we are constantly talking about art, what what we like, what our preferences are. So I'm glad we got that on the table. I feel good about that list. Okay, here it is. It's called Unconscious Mind, and it is a collab between Andrew Bosley and uh, Vincent Dutrait, uh, published by Fanta- Fantasia Games. I don't believe uh, it's con- it has 2022, but I haven't seen anything yet on Kickstarter or GameFound 
um, for it. And you can kind of look at it and the concept is, uh, it's of Sigmund Freud. Yeah. Psychoanalysis. And so you see, mm-hmm. he's kind of laying down in the psychologist kind of like couch thing and he's dreaming and you see the, the two art styles of Institute of Trait and Andrew Bosley kind of coming in on one another. Sounds it's promising. very, very cool. Um, at least from the artwork. And I think probably of all the ones on the list who maybe a little bit lower than you probably should, I think Vincent Detroit, maybe a little bit. Hey, this, it, when you do the comparisons, the it it's just the way. The heart wants what the heart wants. That's right. The heart wants what and the heart, heart wants. wants. Eno tool. Yeah, the heart wants <laughs> more uh, miniature wargaming. Oh, John, so, listen. I, so last night I I'm was just, on my way home from uh, my uh, church small group, and I was like, oh, it's only 9 o'clock. I turned to my wife. I was like, you know what I got to do? I got to go read my rule book. So I laid <laughs> in my bed, opened up my 200-page Middle-Earth strategy battle game rule book, um, and read the first like 45 pages yeah. last night. Because John and I are both off on Memorial Day. Oh. I guess most people are, and we're, gonna, we're, we're planning an epic day of two-player gaming, and so we may throw in a strategy we're board gonna game. We're going to throw down. Can we look at this expansion box? Yeah, yeah. Arts and this is the this is the arts and architects expansion tapestry. to tapestry. It is just like you who Only wouldn't want to play that game. Tapestry would not, would not be anywhere game. near as popular if it wasn't for that artwork. You can also saving the grace about their games. I think. Yeah, but all right. Anything else, gentlemen? Just uh, tell tell a friend that you love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, John, we're glad you were fa- finally able to uh, join us. I know with all your free time and marriage that you've been having lately. Yeah, I've I uh, was really looking forward to this episode. episode so I'm glad you came. It's a good one. Yeah. Also, speaking of 3D printing, real quick, if anyone is into painting, I found a really cool kind of airbrushing because we oh, yeah. we talk about priming our miniatures and doing like zenithal highlighting and stuff. Uh, but to get really good quality stuff, you need some airbrushes. Uh, but normally, you have a big old compressor and hosing and very loud but i found this kind of pocket almost sized airbrushing kind of kit where it has a little air compressor it only does 30 psi it's not gonna paint a house or anything like that but for like priming models it's like for 60 70 bucks you can almost put this little air compressor thing in your pocket take the hose and go out back and prime some minis and stuff um it's really cool. And so Great I'm excited stuff. to try that out more. I think we're going to prime some of your Yeah, we, need, Earth we need to have a big painting day. That, that a painting oh, yeah. party? Yes. In, in honor. Big painting party. Yeah, honor of these artists. Absolutely. Uh, any Kickstarter projects that you've seen? John, you showed Arcs me. and Castles of Burgundy are both going live Tuesday of next week. So I will be Get your pocketbooks ready, All right, people. all right. Predictions, I think. Arcs already said I was reading the design diary. They're going to come out with a smaller box similar to a root size, so probably $50, $60. But also... The campaign is going to be a larger oath size oh. box, so it'll be probably about 100, 120. So you guys are for sure going in on that? Absolutely. Oh. Backing ARCs the second it goes live, I already put a reminder in my calendar for about five minutes before so I can be refreshing Kickstarter. And, and then, why are both of us owning it in the group? Because we just love Castles of Burgundy really that much. is also going live at 5 p.m. Central time, <laughs> CST on next Tuesday. Are you and, sure that's... Central time and not like might have been some EST. I couldn't remember all because listen, Awaken Realms hosed me on ISS Vanguard with their time. I'll check their. Uh, it could be noon our time. It yeah, could very well be I, noon our you time. know the thing that really excites me about Castles of Burgundy is that I don't know if there's been another what I have a, a, something to add. I'm sorry, I was just raising my hand. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, so sorry, I'll just finish up. The it's just like their community feedback. Like bef- they've. Like for a month before they release the they've been taking votes. Kickstarter, they've been taking votes on all of this stuff. Like it's just like Waking Realms been really has been as always done really well. Uh, I've been back to like with Tainted Grell um, for getting community input, and I've seen that other Kickstarters like with uh, 
the Witcher Old World modeling that same interactive yep. model, getting votes, getting opinions. Uh, when, that, when does that come in? Um, November, December. So it'll be later this year. Right. Uh, also, too, Un- Unmatched is having a modular storage system. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just need all of our board games to have, like, storage systems. Like, yeah. we need to spam Kyle, uh, Cole Worley's Ark and all that stuff and ask for just root storage system. Yeah. Um, what I was going to mention on Castles of Burgundy, on the last update they had, I think it was today, was re- part of it showed what the, that large castle miniature was for and what most people assumed is is correct. So you're they're going to have one in each player color for your starting castle that you have for where you started on the board, you'll have oh, a large that's right. scale you do have starting castle um, yeah. miniature. So uh, the awesome. one they had in their update today was red for the red player. Are they going to um, be washed? So going to have, uh, I don't know. Probably. It's awakened realms. Good. You know what drop. we could do, Brady? What do you think the all ins going to be? Oh, for castles, burgundy, 150 bucks. Only 150. No, nice. yeah, probably more than that. It's insane. No, probably 180. 200. I'd say no, I'd no, say no, no. I thought 150 was on the far high end. No, they're going. I think, I think, you know what? If they're, they could play smart, they could put just a solid 100 bucks. No. It's castles of Burgundy. Like, when, when listen, we have we're 3D printers now, Brady. We can make our own upgrade. We can they make our own overlays. Boards in it. But they're paper. But, but they're paper they're that you just paper. slide in. You slide those in. I don't even. They're double sided. All right. You know, you, you, so it has a it has like an overlay that covers over it. Yeah. yeah. Monster system, but it's exciting. Um, how many copies are of uh, of Castles of Burgundy's? Are we gonna? I'm getting own? one. I'm getting one. I think Caitlin would like it, so I'm gonna get one. Are we all gonna get one? I'll Absolutely. sell you. My, I'll sell you my old copy. You don't have to worry about it. You'll oh, get the awesome. friend price. Nice. Yeah. All It'll right. Only be a hundred dollars. Well, I think that's good. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's gonna be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. And I'm John. And this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase. phase. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Discussion Phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at the Discussion Phase for new plays and reviews. Uh, you can also join in on the discussion with the link below in our Discord channel. Let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>